Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. And thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the Conservative Conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network at www.patriotjournalist.com. Oh, what a night! <laughs> a week or whatever it never stops, does it? I tell you, what, I was talking to some colleagues today, and I'm telling you, I'm saying I'm about sick of it. I can't even watch. CNN last night, but I will give, give have to give them a little bit of props last night. Uh, of course, I'm talking about a coverage of, of uh, the passing of Barbara Bush. Uh, so they actually spent more time on it uh, on their nine o'clock hour than Fox News did. To be honest, uh, it's the only way I guess I can uh, stand to watch uh, uh, CNN because normally I, I just can't. Um, but anyway, but they did they did all right with that. To be honest with what I seen, normally I wouldn't watch CNN. But anyway, of course, you know we're talking a lot about uh, you know Sean Hannity, you know Cohen. We're not going to really talk about that much tonight, unless you want to. Uh, but basically, you know, we're going to talk about once uh, Kelly gets in, we're going to talk about uh, electronic voter fraud. How the, we're going to try to uh, get, or you know, yeah, we are going to try to get more folks, uh, especially politicians, people actually running for office, and get them more aware of the dangers of uh, the electronic voter fraud. It's one thing we're going to talk about. We're also going to talk about a number of things. Of course, uh, Gorsuch uh, sided with the liberals and is rolling over um, an immigration rule that's uh, coming out. Uh, We'll talk more about whether we agree with that or not. It's never good to hear uh, when (laughs) – a, uh, a Supreme Court justice that is appointed uh, by uh, the president uh, votes against him. Now, you know, I know it's not uh, – you put somebody in there, it's not supposed to be you carte blanche uh, to vote, you know, or, or, or decide everything on their order. But I just – you know, well, but remember, look at, look at Roberts uh, when he made his vote on uh, Obamacare. Uh, so uh, – I tell you what, that, I really wish these folks weren't uh, lifelong appointees because you just you just don't know. Now, I mean, part of what you know his reason for dissenting uh, may make a little bit of sense, but it always, of course, just initially makes me feel uncomfortable when you got you know the four liberals on the court. Uh, you got the the so-called uh, conservative agreeing with them. That just never seems uh, just never seems right. Uh, so we'll talk about that, and of course, uh, we're also gonna. Now, with Speaker Ryan getting ready to uh, not run again, 
Uh, of course, uh, Republicans are going to be looking for a replacement. Uh, McCarthy seems to be the front runner right now. Uh, but there's another guy out there who perhaps uh, would be a good take. I think he'd be better picked than McCarthy, and that's uh, Jim uh, Jordan. And that's not don't support that just because he's from Ohio, and I'm from Ohio. Just you, know, you see him, you know, all the time, you know, trying to fight the good fight and, and still keep things going with uh, the Hillary Clinton investigation and the email things of that nature. I don't see a lot of. Uh, folks out there doing that still and i think we'll need them because i tell you what if uh hopefully if the republicans can hold on to power uh then you know it can stop the efforts of course to try to impeach trump but you know the uh the democrats win this could be probably their first order and what they're trying to do now i think this whole uh you know raid and you know on his uh his lawyer's uh, house and the hotel and things of that nature i think it's just to try to lower his uh his rating. I was talking to a colleague today, and I uh, do see some folks in line push the one on your number dial and get you into the show. Um, I talked to some colleagues today, and he was actually a liberal, so hopefully I could talk him into coming to the show one time because, you know, I don't mind getting, uh, you know, differing views on here, opposing views, uh, you know, on here because it does kind of give us, you know, opportunity to kind of test our strength uh, with them. Uh, but anyway, and so I think what I told him today, I said, you know, I said, it seems like, you know, with his polls being, you know, his numbers being up close to approval rating of, you know, 50 percent. Yeah, I said what they're trying to do, they're not really even trying to look for any illegalities. I think they're trying to do anything to uh, lower his, you know, anything they can to lower Trump's rating so that if the Democrats do win, and I think it would be more by crook than by hook. Uh, if they do win, then I think it's going to be, uh, you know, they're, they're going to want to try to impeach him. But if, if he's at 50, if the people have him at a 50 percent uh, approval rating, there's, there's going to be no way that they're going to be able to uh, impeach him because the people just hopefully you would think uh, revolt peacefully or not. Um, at this point, <laughs> I don't know if a peaceful revolution is, is going to be uh, useful. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's getting it's getting that bad, I hate to say. Um, but if they do find a way to oust Trump, well, we got to keep that from happening. Uh, we got to get people out there to, to increase the movement uh, like they did in 2016. Uh, so we can have it. So that's one of the things we need to do is that, you know, try to save the agenda before they, and that's the title of tonight's show, Deep State Destroys It. And so um, we're also going to be talking about uh, possibilities of, there's Albert, they're, they're, they're thinking about investigating or even prosecuting Comey. Of course, he's got his new book coming out. Um, you know, it's a lot of lies. We do got an audio clip uh, that speaks of things that uh, that included uh, a clip where uh, Newt Gingrich was on the uh, Ingram, Ingram angle last night on Fox. We got some audio there uh, for this evening, and we also uh, got an article about uh, Paul Ryan uh, and immigration. What at least is being reported in the article, what he plans to do before he leaves. Um, and let's just say it has to do with uh, immigration. So let's go ahead. I see Dr. Tolbert would like to chime in uh, this evening, so it's good to hear back from him. I do see the other folks online. So uh, i got to open up the chat here. And But thank you very much, Dr. Tolbert, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I, I appreciate it. You know, I've been monitoring the last couple of shows, and I've kind of been, didn't want to get involved in 
some of the conversations that they were having because of either negative or positive points that they may have had as a Democrat or Republican. But I thought tonight it would be interesting from several standpoints. The first being is that I did submit my paperwork for the U.S. Senate. uh, And, of course, I'll be going against the uh, Democrat Nelson and the Republican uh, Scott. And we actually filed uh, things against a Ford election where they have a law that said you cannot run for a second office while in office. And they then said, yeah, but his term will end before his term stops. And then we went back and said, yeah, but you let uh, Rubio run. And he was supposed to resign because he was still in office and the term would have began before his uh, electing as president. And the division election said, well, we overlooked it. Thanks for bringing it to our attention. Uh, (laughs) This is... Yeah, exactly. So here we go again. Um, let's let's take up your, your comments about election fraud. And we just sent something to you, and we want to bring it to your attention. We wrote an article on the FBI committing treason and what it was doing with the Supreme Court. So Kimba Wood of the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York, the senior judge presiding over the court hearings, involving President Trump's personal attorney, Michael Cohen, officiated the wedding of the leftist billionaire George Sawyers. George Sawyers happens to own more than one-third of the voting machines. And here is a judge to allow the FBI to break in illegally and breach the Constitution on the client uh, privilege with the lawyers. And I know Kelly will get more into George Sawyer's and election fraud, but I kind of wanted to tie it together on how this is all working and how we've written articles about Rubio and Sawyer's and we, and uh, McCain and other people getting into, and you know, this all comes together even with Romney who is going to run and his vice president was the senator that is resigning, and how Romney is now paying off a guy to resign and take over a position, and Romney owns X number of voting machines, and his family has them registered, and we got into that conversation. And then we're going to get into the next conversation, and I sent you the article where the Pope has decided he's going to rewrite the Bible. Now, we have to understand. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Pope uh, Francis cancels the Bible and proposes to create a new book, April the 2nd, 2018, and his comments. Pope Francis has surpassed the world today by announcing that the Bible is totally outdated and needs a radical change. Now, how can a Bible be outdated? It's supposed to be a historical yeah, I, fact. Yeah, I have to agree with that. That's that's crazy. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, that's why the Catholic Church doesn't look at the Bible the way the normal people look at the Bible. So I was a Catholic until 1999. I taught marriage counseling. My sons were altar boys, and then I came in and did my degrees in theology, and you know, so I took a different viewpoint. And we have to remember first Jesuit Pope, and you got people on your shows 
that will argue the position of Jesuits and the fact that 11 were killed in the Titanic and there's documents showing the, the tie-in. We also have the argument that the Islam that came to the Rome went into Rome and made uh, an appearance in front of the Pope. And in that appearance they made, uh, the Pope bowed and touched the rings. Now, what we did in 2016, we looked at the Pope and Muslims. And scholars say Muhammad prophesied that the two great Roman cities will be conquered after or with Constantinople and Rome, and that Islam and will become Islam Muslim cities. Now, Constantinople is now held and, and is an Islam city and held by the Muslims. So now Rome is right, rewriting under the Pope the Bible. And the Pope made a comment uh, last year that the Christians are at fault for all the problems and not the Muslims. So this is going to be a big topic over the next six or seven months. We're not posting and bringing the articles to the president on this particular subject until July because the 81 pages we posted today will be on the president's desk on 1st of May. And then in June, we're going to be on talk radio uh, the 24th of May or 24th of uh, um, April on veterans. And I would like to talk to you about maybe getting some time and getting some veterans on your show on the 25th because I'm going to do Sally's show on the 23rd for one hour, then I'm going to do Karen's show for one hour, and then I'd like to do your show for about one hour on veterans uh, and the issues we're having with the VA, and we're taking our 11 articles and putting them together, and we're inviting veterans uh, to come forward because they just assigned a new VA uh, director, and they fired the old one, and they hired this new guy, and we need to bring new letters and things and put everything together and put it on the president's desk. So, you know, you look at now the terrorism, you look at the FBI, uh, you look at the, the Pope, uh, you look at the election fraud, you're looking at the computer fraud, uh, you're looking at what happened with the illegalities of the judicial system. Uh, you know, you take the whole picture, uh, and then you have the problem with the veterans. Uh, I got approved as a 501c public servant, but they won't look at me as being a public servant because I spent 22 years in the military. They're saying if I was a teacher as a 501c3, and that's how we finally got it approved because we do have a school, and we've had one since 2001, um, or if I was in politics as a senator, my quarter of a million dollar student loans would have been forgiven. So we just refiled a new petition against the president or to the president against the federal loans that veterans should be included public servant. And for people that don't know, if you serve four years in the military, you get out, you become active reserve for four years. And if you serve 22 years or 20 years in the military, you're on active reserve until you're at the age of 62, 65. However, even who I am at 75, the president could call me and could active duty me, and he could make me a general, and I could become the head of Joint Chiefs of Staff. 
So we never lose our position regardless of our rank. It depends on what we're doing and what is necessary. And we're not supporting our veterans. So that's another topic. But I just kind of wanted to bring this all together. Why would I run for the U.S. Senate as a write-in, no party affiliated, is because I'm proactive. Now, the objective is I'm going to show President Trump why he should not run as a Republican in the next election. I'm going to spend this next year publicizing that the independent, no party affiliated, the senior citizens and the military should get behind the president of the United States and ask him to be the second president that becomes our president following what Jefferson and Washington said, the two-party system will destroy American and that he could win as a no-party candidate and that he doesn't need a group of senators who have yet to confirm over 61 of his nominees for offices. So the argument is, well, the majority of the House is Republicans and the president needs the Republicans behind him. Well, guess what? The Republicans aren't behind him and neither are the Democrats. And that's why he's not getting the bills passed. That's why the candidates have not been uh, nominated or uh, confirmed by the Senate. Uh, and and a lot of other things. So these are really deep subjects, uh, Robert, uh, that we've written on and we spent a lot of time on, and there's going to be a very argumentative path. And our articles go back four, five, six years. VA goes back 12 years, uh, uh, 12 years, goes back to 2012. Common Core goes back to 2010. Treason uh, goes back to 2013. Uh, the FBI's function goes back four or five years. Uh, we're so far ahead of the constitutionality and the violation of the Constitution that we're now doing book format. So we're taking a binder. We're putting a cover letter on it. We're doing a letter a, a, a letter of introduction. We're doing a table of content. And the next one goes out as 81 pages. And this will be the third book in three months that he's getting from us. So we're no longer sending him emails and we're no longer just sending him a single document. We're now educating the president where he can sit down and read about a subject matter and how it relates to the constitution. For an example, the FBI, that's going to be, he received it singularly in February, 2014. He now has it in book format along with seven other articles. So what we're doing is we're posting our articles and we're saying, okay, here's 11 articles on a subject. It's all about the same subject, but there are 11 articles spaced about different points of different things. For an example, the DACA, uh, immigration, the state rights, the sovereign states, uh, building the wall, uh, the 501c3s, uh, the uh, Supreme Court violations, uh, the issue of uh, sanctioned cities, uh, all these items are really separate articles. Well, what we did is we said, let's take everything we've written over the last five years, pull them out one at a time, group them together, it becomes a compound, and we'll do 80 pages to the president. And we sent it to Mar-a-Lago, we sent it to uh, Trump Towers, and we sent it to the White House, to John DeStefano. We're watching the fact that the president's dialogue 
for an example, he makes a comment. Uh, I have now checked with uh, people who have knowledge about the Constitution and my rights as the president over the FBI. That's his comments. Read paragraph one of the article that he signed for February the 22nd, and it says exactly that. So are we the ones that are educating the president? Probably. Can we absolutely say that? It's going to be interesting. So this is another reason why people have to be proactive. They have to get out in front, and they have to – I'll make 200 appearances in the next seven months. That's normally what I do when I run for an office. And Scott and Nelson will not show up at any of the places that I'm at. They did this when I ran for the president. They did this when I ran for the governor. And they people do this when I run for the Senate. Uh, no one wants to be on a stage with me standing next to them because they know they can't stand up to the comments that I will answer versus where they're at. So that's my summary. How's that? Yeah, uh, sounds good. Sounds good. I appreciate it. I do see other folks on the line. Just push one on your number dial when you get in. And definitely, yeah, give, give us updates and all that. Now, with him running as, a, as an independent, you know, I mean, I know, I mean, I know you hear this a lot, and, you know, it is, there is, a, I guess, some truth in it. Uh, but I would say most people who would, you know, vote more libertarian, vote more Republican – would vote for uh, an independent than, than liberals. Democrats or liberals really seem to flock. You know, they'll they'll vote a little bit for the, like a Green Party or something of that nature. Um, I mean, but you, do you really think there's uh, the numbers of, of people who would vote for a third-party candidate, an independent candidate, or maybe even you know, or a non-party affiliated candidate uh, for the presidency? I, you know, that that's a question that we've seen over the past. There's 30-some-odd percent of our population are, are um, senior citizens. Uh, 40-some percent are currently uh, no party, not Democrats and Republicans. The Democrats and Republicans are now about 31 percent apiece. Uh, the veterans who have not been supported by the Democrats and Republicans over the uh, last 20-plus years so can I convince the veterans, the senior citizens, and the independent people that the Constitution clearly states that there cannot be a two-party system? Can I convince them that Washington, Lincoln, Jefferson, and other people predicted that a two-party system will destroy America? Have we reached a point where we no longer can continue under the vices of the fraudulent actions of the Supreme Court and the Congress because of the fact that we are getting corporations that are being paid by lobbyists to handle our rule of order. Otherwise, there is no rule of order anymore, and there is no longer common law. There is no longer the Constitution, that no one is following what was originally predicted. And, you know, we went back to the Supreme Court, and, of course, we know the Supreme Court justice uh, is going against the president. Uh, We know that the funding of a lot of these actions, and we actually filed charges against the Supreme Court on their violation of First Amendment and 14th Amendment and other things when they came out with the words marriage can be adapted to same-sex rather than civil unions. 
and that the Supreme Court had no right to rule on that because it was under the Tenth Amendment. And they respond that a citizen does not have a right to file things against the Supreme Court, and that under Article Three of the Constitution is incorrect. So we went back to the Supreme Court and says, you're incorrect. We don't have to go to lower courts to come at, to come after a state, uh, you know, or we don't have to go to a, a lower court to, to challenge the Supreme Court. Uh, the Supreme Court has changed the rules in the last year where they had people reading all their documents and only bringing the cases that their secretaries, if you will, interpreted and brought it to the Supreme Court justices. Well, the Supreme Court is getting a little more involved now in looking at things, but the Supreme Court has not brought charges and neither has Congress brought charges and the president needs to bring charges against the FBI. Uh, the FBI has became a court system. The FBI is violated. Mm-hmm. This system has violated the constitution. Uh, the Congress has, has a right to impeach members of the FBI, but the president does not need Congress's approval to fire anybody in the FBI. And people think you need congressional approval. No, you don't. So what Congress is trying to do now, they're trying to rewrite a law of the president's rights over the FBI, which they cannot do. They have the permission. They have to have certain things set up, and they cannot do it. So the authority of the president overrides Congress. Now, the president has to bring the nominee to Congress, and Congress has to confirm the agreement of that will be the nominee, and they will say, okay, we agree, and then the president signs it off, and that's fine. But to fire the person doesn't need the confirmation. And we quoted 15 rules of law to the president showing his authority and how he could go about it, why he needs to go about it, and how it's been violated. And we did that back in February. We did, like normal, you know, I do a lot of research before I bring an article to anybody. And so everything I give is never an opinion. Mine is based on constitutional background, Supreme Supreme Court uh, rulings, uh, case history. Uh, We go back and we look at a lot of things before we publish, and then it has to be edited for grammar. It has to be put in a format. And then we sent it to the president. We waited just about February, March, April. We waited about two and a half months before we published the FBI article, and we only did that after we knew the president was taking action on the exact format that we presented him because we didn't want to pre-present it, although we talked about it. But the actual article is on our web. It is in a booklet. Uh, People can follow how we're doing things. Uh, The new article that's going out in May just finished its format. It's 81 pages. People say, wow, that's a lot of reading. Well, go read a book in school that's as little as 81 (laughs) pages. You know, it's just not there. I'm an educator. You know, I'm a doctor of education, degrees in theology. I'm a business organizer. I'm a pastor. Uh, I teach. And that's how they finally came up with my 501c3 is now a public servant finally. But the federal loans don't understand. Every five years, your 501c3 gets renewed. So in 2001, I renewed it. And then in 2006, I renewed it. In 2011, I renewed it. Well, guess what? 2016, it had to be renewed. 
So the federal loan only wants to forgive my loans because my new document says November 2016. So they only want to give me 30 months of my 120 because they can't understand that, no, it was November 2011. It was November 2006, you know, and then so on. So I had to resubmit. The funny part of it is the federal student loans never responded to me until the president got my article of disagreement with the federal student loans and the fact that I was a veteran. Upon the president's forwarding to the federal, so we know that John DeStefano and the president said, send this over to there. I get a letter that says, we are now responding to a letter from the president, and we're taking responsibility, and we're relooking, and now we have approved you as a 501c3 as a public servant. So now we had to go back, show them the documents for 2011, because they consolidate the student loans in 2011. When they did the consolidation, you cannot give forgiveness for anything prior to 2011. So that means my total forgiveness would not happen until 2021 under the 10-year 120 that everybody has to go through. But if I'm a if I'm a veteran, why am I? Why do I have a quarter of a million dollars in student loans when all I do is teach and I'm a public service? I do prison ministry, street ministry. I'm doing all these things, and the Senate is not doing any of it. Supreme Court's not doing it. Your teachers are not doing it. So this is really a complicated issue, um, and it's going to be very argumentative when you look at your big picture and as your other guests come on tonight. Uh, and they try to piece together any of the things we talked about. I just want to bring to attention that anything I talk about is an eight to 25 page document of two to seven weeks of total research and presentations. And if they want to argue against those, argue against it. Constantinople, uh, the Muslims said they'll take it over. Uh, the Muslims said they'll take over Rome. We wrote the articles in 2016. There's five articles uh, in, in July. There'll be 14 articles sent to the president, strictly talking about Islam, uh, the Christianity, uh, one world order, uh, the communism, uh, the Masons, uh, Black Lives Matter. Uh, all these articles are being put into one book. So that'll be singly, there's 350 to 400 articles. They'll now be concentrated in the 180 to 60 to 80 page book, uh, Robert. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, is it going to be like hardbound or something, or is it going to be, you know, like a what? paperback book, or how's, how's the format yeah, for that going to be? No, what they're doing with them is we're actually putting the black, uh, we're putting the, the binder, the wire binders on them, and they, they have oh, a clear okay. cover with the opening letter, and then they then have all the pages. And the objective is they only cost they cost us about I guess six dollars a piece to make, and we just did one hundred of them. Uh, I sent one of my books to one hundred countries. Uh, we just ha- hit Thailand uh, yesterday. Thailand Thailand uh, has a Western uh, Technology University, and we sent the book there. Uh, we sent it to Harvard, Yale, Hillsdale. Uh, we're going to now back down to where we're only doing 10 books a month 
and these and you can't do these with publishers you have to write them edit them you have to get them pr- printed you have to bind them uh you have to do a table of content uh when it's all done and said if you take them all and you put them in a uh a big book for the students to read uh it would really be very educational and that's what we're trying to do so they'll go to the three places they have to go to. We will then send them to certain individuals besides the three places of the president. Uh, So in May and June, we're going to limit the number we send. We did a reasoning behind the other one is we're trying to take over the Department of Education. Uh, We want to take it over for one year, close it down. I want to then take over the Department of VA. So that's going to be the next group. Uh, and then we want to become the direct advisor. Uh, we're going to be proactive uh, over the next couple years why the president needs to uh, understand the corruption and how he can be the only one to change it by running as an independent. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, not only with Trump, I mean, I mean, we need to, I, you know, I talk to people, you know, Work and things of that nature, and I tell you what, the Muslims better not take over Rome. At least wait a couple of years. My daughter's supposed to go <laughs> there next year, uh, and so as you know, I've been you know promoting that on uh, you know where I'm taking donations to the center there uh, through the the Bard's Logic website. Uh, but anyway, uh, on the gift page, but yeah, they better not be <laughs> at least a couple more years. Let her. Let, let, you know, let her get there first. Uh, I'm, I'm saying that halfway tongue in cheek. Well, the fact um, that the of course we never want to see see them the ever. You know, uh, take over that. Concentrates in the Catholic Church, the New Testament. He really doesn't teach or get into the Old Testament that much, and so there was a lot of breakup. You know, the Lutheran Church had a big breakup with the Church of England and the Catholic Church, and there were a lot of wars started between the Catholics and the Muslims back you know, a long time before we even think of 60 A.D., 600 A.D. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things people have to go back in historical data that we have in our books that they don't understand that there's a long-term reasoning of the direction that was prophesied. And we're watching, this is the first pope that's a Jesuit. Now, I know you get people to come on your show that disagree that the Jesuits were part of the Federal Reserves and they're manipulating and you know they can stand on their position i will not argue against them i will only tell them go read our articles and if you have something you don't like about what we say send it to us and we will put your opinion in the book and let people make their determination against what has historically been proven uh and that's where we stand on it uh the pope is part of the u.n uh, he is a part of the United Nations and caused a lot of problems. Uh, the guidance of where we're going and what's happening, the Pope's argument of why he's doing this because they're losing people in the Catholic Church, so they're going to oh, yeah, rewrite the laws. The laws would be the Bible. And in that rewriting of the laws after several thousand years, he's going to make it a modern Bible reflecting different stands that the church can take. Will he make homosexuality a legal thing? Will he say as he has in the past and related to Christian viewpoints and the Catholic church? 
this is the direction he's going to head. And this is going to be some of the issues that's going to be presented. And he's going to show the endorsement of some of the writings the Catholic Church hid and did not put in a lot of parts of the Bible uh, because it contradicted what they were trying to do. So it's going to be interesting over the next two years how they rewrite a document that is never supposed to be rewrote. Let's take the U.S. Constitution. Let's say the Supreme Court decides the Constitution is no longer valid and it no longer fits <laughs> yeah. what's expected. And they rewrote it without two-thirds of the states agreeing. Well, that's what the Pope's going to do with the Bible. God, that's that's kind of crazy. <laughs> you know, oh, he um, is. Absolutely. And yeah, I'd like to, but who knows, maybe we'll even have a show on it and, you know, on that. Yeah, and I but think at this point, uh, it, I, I do have a, an, an audio. It's kind of a, a precursor that I was going to have. Um, we'll definitely have comments from myself and uh, your, yourself, Dr. Tolbert, and other folks are on the line. Just push the, the one on your number dial, and if Kelly comes in and what he's going to speak with uh, more tonight, what they're working on uh, with uh, Watch the Vote to USA, there's a project they're going to be working on. Uh, but I'll let him give us more details when, uh, when, he, com- you know, when he comes onto the show. Uh, but first, you know, I, I thought this um, interview with uh, Newt Gingrich, uh, you know, just brought up a lot of good points uh, for folks. And I don't know if, you know, a lot of folks have seen it. Uh, and so I'm going to go ahead and play that. And then, you know, we'll we'll make some commentary on that because it, it goes really well uh, with what we're talking about tonight. Uh, we'll get to the other topics. Of course, there's still plenty of time. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, get that audio. And, uh, of course, we do keep uh, people's mics open. So let's be mindful of that when uh, – uh, well, actually, I'll probably just go ahead and mute the mics but uh, while we listen to it, but, and then uh, we'll, we'll bring it back in. But let's go ahead and, and get the, that audio. Jackson is Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House and the creator of the new Defending America course, which seems entirely appropriate for the subject matter at hand. Newt Gingrich, uh, your reaction to this? I mean, that, that line from Sherman, but if you want to be safer, move to the Cayman Islands. I mean, that's basically all they have left is, Invective identity politics or that kind of nonsense. I was talking with Kevin McCarthy today, the Republican majority leader. He's from Bakersfield. And he made the comment, because we're talking about John Cox's candidacy for governor. And McCarthy said, if you combine sanctuary cities with the tax gasoline tax increase, you suddenly have in California the kind of ferment that they had with Prop 13 that led to Reagan. And that's what you're seeing happen. I mean, people in normal, everyday cities are rebelling. Sheriffs are saying they're not going to obey the state law. Uh, entire counties are opting out. And I think it's a good debate because let's just take MS-13, which is a, an El Salvadorian gang spread all across America, extraordinarily violent. You look in Fairfax County, for example, Virginia, the number of additional murders, rapes, attacks. Uh, if the Democrats want to be the party that protects the right of MS-13 to stay in America and kill people, I think that's a great fall campaign issue. Now, you're a great storyteller. All your books, the novels that you've written, the history courses online and others that you've taught, Republicans sometimes aren't great storytellers, Newt. And I've talked to friends about this. Republicans are always in numbers, charts, percentages, GDP. But the story of Kate Steinle, Jamil Shaw, 
Donald Trump understood that the stories of real people are what's going to cut through the clutter. Right, but it's a combination of here is a story and here is the larger meaning. Mm-hmm. And they bring the two of them together. That's where Republicans very often, sometimes they're up here with an interesting larger meaning, but no, no hook, no, no ability to make it real. And that's why, for example, I cite MS-13, because it's so demonstrably a violent gang, and there's, so, and there's no justification for tolerating any MS-13 member being in the United States. Let's talk about Kevin McCarthy for a moment. Uh, he looks like he has the inside shot uh, to be the next uh, Speaker of the House. He's had kind of a rocky relationship over the years with conservatives. I mean, he's never come on this show. Uh, we've invited him on many times. I've really looked forward to talking to him. He uh, doesn't really go on conservative talk radio, um, neither to John Boehner, uh, neither to Jeff Flake. Uh, there's kind of a pattern there. Uh, but what about him? He's, he's developed a pretty good relationship with President Trump. Well, I think McCarthy is very dedicated to trying to enact the president's program. I think that he understands, you know, he put a lot of his own resources into getting the ballot initiative and repealing the gas tax on the ballot in California, which will make it a big issue in in November. Um, I I think that McCarthy uh, is one of those guys who, in a sense, is a little bit risk-avoiding. I mean, I know it's a shock to you, but but coming on a show like this, if you're a senior leader, uh, there's a certain risk that, yeah. you know, you didn't well, no. I mean, you didn't, you didn't shy away when you were Speaker of the House. You didn't shy away from television. You, well, didn't, no, you, the, you could actually but, answer a question. I mean, I if, you can't, if you can't withstand <laughs> questions on the anger mangle, then what are you going to do when you go on these liberal shows where they're just going to smash you over the head every time? I mean, I don't get that. I mean, you have to be able to talk to the conservative audience sure. about your policies. And Trump would, Trump would go ev- everywhere my, and anywhere. So would my, Reagan. My guess is that you're going to see McCarthy on talk radio. Yeah, and well, he needs us now. Where will he be well, in the morning? Well, because, no, because he's... The morning after. Because he's in a new role. I think the morning after he's going to be helping uh, Trump. Donald Trump pass his agenda. I want to talk about a couple of other things. The Stormy Daniels obsession by the American media. I mean, the, even Meghan McCain, who, you know, sometimes is a little... Uh, she's a very moderate, but she's an interesting person. She's on the view today, and she's even fed up. Let's watch. It seems like a publicity stunt on some level. I mean, I I think yesterday, because you didn't have anything to do with the case, it seemed a little like you were just trying to get attention, which I understand that you're being sued by our president, but it it does seem like you're benefiting a lot. I mean, you've gone on your Make America Horny Again tour. I'm sure you're making a lot of money, no disrespect. I hadn't heard your name until all of this had happened, and now you are literally live on The View giving an entire interview with us. So it has been beneficial for your career. Well, of course it is. Look, in the age of the Kardashians, Daniels just represents one of the weirder subsets, Uh, and that's, that's what we've become as a country. Uh, Moynihan, the former senator, wrote a brilliant essay called Defining Deviancy Down, down. and that's what we've done. We've gotten to a point where the elite media, uh, you know, I mean, if if she was trying to talk about somebody on the left, the elite media wouldn't cover it at all. But the elite media has proven, as they are with Comey this week, that if you want to be anti-Trump, they will give you all the time they possibly can. Or if you're a Republican who's anti-Trump, that's right. you'll get a column in the New York Times, you'll be get a contributorship on Republicans. Yeah, they're, they just don't know it yet. They're, they're on the island of misfit, you know. And all they're gradually drifting away. I mean, they'll presently be Democrats be or something. Yeah, they'll be Democrats. Um, uh, big news that broke tonight, Newt. 
And I want to get some of your take on uh, this issue. Big bombshell news. Fox News now confirming that CIA Director and Secretary of State nominee Mike Pompeo made a top-secret trip to North Korea over the Easter weekend, and he met with dictator Kim Jong-un. purpose of uh, the speech, uh, the appearance, was to prepare for direct talks between Trump and Kim and a possible upcoming meeting. Your reaction to this news? This is wild. Well, I mean, let's start with objective reality. Pompeo graduated first at West Point. He graduated first at Harvard Law School. He is an extraordinarily smart guy. Underachiever. The, pre <laughs> the president has said flatly, if he can find a way to talk and not fight a war, he wants to see if they can get to a deal. I think that they have shaken the dictatorship so badly they may get to a deal. Uh, that would be a historic achievement. Uh, no, they were calling the president a warmonger, that he was going to start World War III. On all the other networks, just a couple right. of months ago, he was, he was bringing us to the brink of nuclear war. They were going to invoke the, you know, the constitutional amendment where they would go in and they would remove him from office because we're going to go to war. I mean, this was nonstop on television. Now we could have this incredible break. This is amazing. And this is my prediction. If they reach an agreement and Kim Jong-un gives up all of his nuclear weapons, the first report in the elite media will be, in an act of statesmanship, Kim Jong-un overcame his resistance to Donald Trump and decided he would go ahead and take the risk for peace anyway. It would be fun as an anti-Trump. It will somehow be an anti-Trump moment. Uh, there has, there's one other thing that I'm dying to talk to you about of, of, of many. But what Comey has been saying in his book tour, there's so many things we could get into. But specifically, let's talk about what he said today about Scooter Libby. I think we have it. It's an attack on the rule of law. There's a reason President George W. Bush, for whom Scooter Libby worked, refused to pardon him after looking at all the facts in the case. It was an overwhelming case. There's no reason that's consistent with justice to pardon him. And so it's an attack on the rule of law, in my view. Look, I've spent a lot of time looking at this case. I'm a friend of Scooter Libby's. I lived through that entire situation. There's nothing more despicably dishonest that Comey has said than what he said just then. Comey appointed his close friend, Patrick Fitzgerald, to be an independent investigator at a time when the entire case was, was a phony case. The CIA said that Valerie Plame was, the whole case was about was she outed and who outed her. The CIA said she wasn't a, she wasn't a covered person. The CIA counsel has said this did no material damage to the CIA. They knew who had done it. The person who did it was, in fact, Colin Powell's deputy at the State Department. Patrick Fitzgerald told him to keep his mouth shut. He then locked up a New York Times reporter for 85 days to get her to testify. Scooter finally, out of concern for her, gave her permission to testify because she said, I, I have privilege here, I'm not going to do it. She then testified after she got out of jail and after the case was over. She went back, she wrote a book and said, I realized later that that prosecutor gave me false information so that I gave false testimony. Should have been disbarred. And he should have been disbarred, and frankly, Comey should have been disbarred. Comey presided over what was very clear. They were trying to get Dick Cheney, and Comey in his book finally told you the reason. Comey went in the first time he saw Cheney. They're in the cabinet room. They're sitting next to each other. Comey turns to be friendly. Cheney says, I know who you are, and looks straight ahead and says nothing until Bush comes in. Comey is such a petty person that he sought to destroy Cheney. Scooter wouldn't turn over and destroy Cheney, so they decided to destroy Scooter. I think what he said today is the most despicable language and the biggest falsehood, and everybody understands Scooter Libby is the threat of the future. If they can do this to Scooter Libby, if they can do this to Donald Trump, they can do it to every American. And that's why I'll just close with this. You read the original statement 
by Rosenstein, the, what he sent to the president, which I'm actually publishing tomorrow, and you read what the inspector general said about McCabe, you have to conclude, these are both internal reports, you have to conclude we were in enormous danger with the top two people in the FBI, both dishonest people, totally untrustworthy, and totally self-serving. A partisan investigation, I don't care if Jim Comey was nominally a Republican, this investigation from the beginning had an anti-Trump animus. First they wanted a, uh, an insurance policy with Strzok and Page, then he got elected, and then they were like in freak-out mode, and then they had to go right with the Steele dossier, right back to the FISA court and keep it going. Even after that, Carter Page talked to them. He went up and talked to them. He was willing to talk to anybody. He was like, talk to the test pattern on TV, God bless them. But Carter Page will talk to anybody, and they kept that thing going. Because I think between 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock on election night, liberals in America went through a psychotic trauma of such scale. Because at 8 o'clock, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, as a historian. They're still suffering from it. They are. No, that's why I said it's psychotic. Yeah. At 8 o'clock, they knew Hillary Clinton was going to be the first woman president. At 10 o'clock, this horrifying moment had occurred. And people like Comey, but remember, Comey's wife and his daughter are both at the parade. They're at the march the day after the inaugural. I love that line when he says, and she pops into the interview. She just like pops into the interview yeah. with Stefan Ops, like, oh, we were so excited. It was so great to be with them. And they all voted for, uh, they all voted for uh, Hillary. And, and of course, McCabe's wife was a Democratic candidate who got $700,000 from the Clinton machine. But of course, none of this would mean they're in any way biased. Well, Jim Comey. And then, by the way, the judge who's currently looking at the case in New York happens to be Kimberwood, who was Bill Clinton's nominee to be Attorney General. But again, I'm sure she's going to be totally neutral. The attorney you can't keep a straight face. I can't because this it is like if you were writing this as one of your scary like EMP novels, like everything's going to blow up. You couldn't do it. No, you would write novels. this new. I would say, look, you've really taken your novels too far That's now. Right. I mean, this is really out of control, Gingrich. You kind of like cuckoo for cocoa puff stuff. Um, uh, New Gingrich, thank you so much for joining us on Barbara Bush and everything. As a control enthusiast, I'm all business when I travel. <laughs> that was a commercial or something. But anyway, let's go ahead and uh, bring in Dr. Tolbert, and then we've got Kelly on the line. Uh, so let's go ahead, and we've got other folks who's pushed to one on your number dial when you're ready to get in. Uh, uh, what, do you, what do you think about uh, those different points, Dr. Tolbert? Well, let's take the first one. Uh, the Constitution says that the states have a right to allow anyone in the state that they want in the state. And the state has not been given the authority that they should have prior to Ellis Island that to sanction cities under sovereign state, they could do that. They were given money by the federal government illegally promoting and allowing illegal immigrants, immigrants to come in. The, the issue that he did not say was, the federal government has no right to do that. The federal government has to stop the funding, and the states have to take on their liability, and we need to make Congress declare these illegal immigrants as invaders, and then the federal government can take over the state's rights of the Tenth uh, Amendment. So that takes care of the sanctioned cities. Uh, we told you about the article that same lawyer married Sawyers. He's tied into Clinton. You know, these are all things. So everything basically that he covered is an article already on the president's desk. So he didn't really say anything that we don't know. He just puts it in a very humorous format, which is 
educational because he probably is better known than I am. And I just I just was looking up doing a little research uh, on the side here about the uh, the Pope. Uh, to my understanding, that may uh, at least just the, the article or a couple articles I glanced through that may be actually a hoax. That may not actually be that's true. Not, that the, that's, at least yeah, the things I'm looking at. Out. Yeah, we're not getting that it's a hoax. We're getting it from some other sources. And I sent you the link on the one show. Did you see the web link I sent you? Uh, not yet. I haven't I, had a chance to access my email. Okay, when you have a chance, I did email it to you. So when you get a chance, I sent you the web link of the comments about the Pope. And under that web link, um, it's uh, – and, and I'm just pulling it up as I'm speaking to you. It's actually showing the Pope cancels and it goes into what he's doing and what he has said. So, you know, not everything is totally true, but I could see the Pope doing this. I really can envision him uh, based on some of his comments he's made lately uh, that he well, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't will... surprise me either, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I'm not Catholic. You you know, you know where I'm at, but um, yeah. Well, you know, yeah, I, 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 that wouldn't surprise me. Either. I mean, I get this this, yeah. this, this disrespect per se with the the Catholic Church. Certainly, I mean, my daughter's Catholic. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I'm trying to actually send her to, <laughs> uh, you know, to to Italy and Rome and stuff like that. She could, you know, see that. You know, I mean, I respect. She's Catholic and she's, you know, staunch. You know, so she's, you know, I I respect that. You know, what, you know, for her, you know, I'll let her. You know, discover her own path. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that wouldn't surprise me to if that would happen with some of the things that I've heard him say as well. Yeah, you got to go into the fact the majority of the invaders that are coming in that are illegal immigrants are Catholic. Let me start there with you. A lot of people don't understand that, and they're being forced to come in really and being supported and paid for by the Catholic churches, and the Catholic churches are setting up sanctions to house and to hold and to pay and provide support for the illegal immigrants. I've heard about that, too, actually. Right. And America has decreased by over 30% of the Catholic population. So there is an ongoing force with the Pope and the Catholic Church to gain back the money. Remember, they're the richest country in the world, and people don't realize that that little city that you call Rome is a private identity country, and they yeah, are Va- yeah, Vatican City is actually a city and a nation at the same time. Yeah, they are the richest nation in the entire world. Well, and I heard that so, the Latin, the Catholic population, the Latin Catholic population, is the, the fastest growing population through what I've heard. Well, what's and happening we got, uh, now? We, that the, there's a decrease in that population, and that's one reason he is doing what he's getting ready to do. Yeah, that'll be something. That we'll, and, and if that does happen, we're certainly going to be uh, talking about that on the show. Uh, we got Kelly on the line. Uh, and then we got Suzette. Uh, we'll get Suzette in as well. But first, let's bring in Kelly. Uh, thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you doing? No, I mean, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I, there's a few things I was going to. Uh, talk about the the, the Coney and Pompeo, but let's go ahead and bring in Kelly. Well, hello everybody and uh, Robert. It's Newt Gingrich time. That means you must 
vote for Mitt Romney in the 2012 election because only Mitt yeah. Romney can beat Obama. So just remember that, okay? In 2012, thou shalt vote, say all the Republicans, thou shalt vote for Mitt Romney. Sorry, oh, yeah, I remember those days clearly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? Who says? Says who? Come on, guys. All right. Oh, by the way, uh, the Vatican. The, and the ironic thing is that they knew he would lose. I knew he would lose. I wish I could have seen that. Oh, well, Romney I, they did, too. Um, I think the reason why they put Romney in, because they knew Obama would beat him, because they, and then they would take back the House and the Senate is what they really wanted. Go ahead. Well, I would have liked to have seen Mitt Romney debate himself. Um, <laughs> sorry. You know, I do love He did. How he debated Obama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. His twin. Okay, but, I got uh, it. Uh, um, real quick, Kelly, real quick. Let's see. Um, let's see if I got it here. Oh, okay. Never mind. Um, let's see. Oh, what, what is it? Because you did it, and I love. I tell you what, I I can never get tired uh, of hearing this audio. Um, and since you brought it up, I I just I just feel like I have to play it. Um, oh, come on! I hope I can find it. It's awesome. Well, some somebody made a, a video of Mitt Romney debating himself. It was hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would have been that well, would have been hilarious. Um, all right. Well, while you're bringing that up, I did want to communicate. I, you know, Newt Gingrich. He's funny. He's intelligent. He's very eloquent, and he knows his history. And stunning some of the speeches, Newt Gingrich. And by the way, Gingrich was one of the first. Congressman to, to poll for Donald Trump, that was amazing. So something Gingrich had figured out. But um, while you're pulling that up, just you know, cut me off whenever you want. But you know, I, I've Vatican got it the here. Prop- well, well, we got, well, okay, well the idea is fresh in people's minds. Here it is, real quick. Only a minute, Mr. President. Just how different are you from Governor Romney? <laughs> uh, now let me be clear. Uh, I agreed with Governor Romney on many things. For instance, abortion. He was pro-choice most of his adult life. So was I. But he changed his position uh, when he became presidential candidate. Uh, hold on. Now, let's take guns. <laughs> now, Governor Romney and I, uh, we were in complete agreement on gun control. Uh, now, that is, until he changed his mind. But but I... And on health care, well, uh, I was so inspired by Romney care uh, that I nationalized it and called it Obamacare. Whoa, whoa. But now, presidential candidate Romney against the individual mandate and universal health care. I agreed with Governor Romney on many things, but this presidential candidate Romney, I don't even know the guy. Then again, uh, he doesn't seem to know himself. Oh, come on. Governor Romney? (laughs) Getting our future is responsible for the content of this message. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. I love it. Every time I hear it, I I, I always laugh no matter how many times I hear it. But go ahead, Kelly. Well, I wanted to bring out an opportunity to mention about state. State, okay? What do we call the Vatican? Its own country, even though it's on the Roman hill, or it's it's on the uh, a hill known as the Vatica, which is the Roman god of the dead. But that's where the Vatica is on the Vatican. The Vatican is on the Vatica, and the proper term would be a state. The state of Israel, state of Palestine, state of Vatican, the state of Arizona, Idaho, Iowa. Illinois, um, all those other things that start with an I. Um, 
India, state of India. There you go, Indonesia. So state is the proper term. And by the way, since they're own, they're their own state slash country. Um, I wonder if they have a uh, national anthem. I think it might go something like this: Hail Mary, she's so full of grace. Hail Mary, she's got tears on her face. I don't know. I'm just joking around because you, you shouldn't worship another human being. But that's another story. So, um, <laughs> um, oy, so many things to talk, comment about. You sent me a text about a story about Gorsuch, the new Supreme Court yeah. uh, justice, justice. And I was reading what you sent me, and this is preliminary because I haven't read the whole case. But the conservatives are very upset with him right now. Because he sided with a liberal in a split vote, four four. And uh, well, let's see. Well, what's the scenario for everybody listening? Um, which by now people have fallen asleep, so I get to go into their subconscious. All right, um, <laughs> vote libertarian, vote libertarian. Okay. Um, when you wake up, you'll say, "Gosh, why do I want to vote libertarian?" All right. Um, I'm in a good mood today. I got paid. All right, so we're going to look at this uh, situation. I'll go ahead and try to describe the case. Um, it is a interesting scenario because there's always controversy, or in the British controversy. This is an interesting controversy. All right, so uh, the case is titled um, uh, Sessions versus. Uh, Demeya. Well, Demeya is obviously the defendant. Sessions would be, of course, Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General. So it involves a legal immigrant who came to the U.S. years ago, and he's been, as an adult, he was twice convicted of burglary. burglary. And federal law permits deportation of legal immigrants if they've convicted, if they've been convicted of an aggravated, aggravated felony. Um, which they consider as a crime of violence. Okay, so obviously he probably had a gun when he did this. Uh, I don't know how a legal immigrant with a green card can get a gun, but I guess he did. And the statute reads, um, any crime which, by its nature, involves a substantial risk that physical force against the person of property or another may be used in the course of committing the offense. This is considered a crime of violence, whether or not physical force was actually used. Okay. Crime of violence, using a gun, pointing a gun at the 7-Eleven. Why are you pointing a gun at the guy at 7-Eleven? Because he can't speak English. I'm holding a gun. Please speak English. <laughs> oh, I do not understand what you're saying. Uh, this is a gunpoint, dude. I need to understand what you're saying. Oh, I do not understand what you're saying. I want a Slurpee. Oh, you do the do Slurpee to be five ninety nine. Ninety nine cents. Here you go. No, I see five ninety. Okay, I'm just goofing around because this is probably you know. So he, he probably held somebody up at gunpoint. They considered it an ag. ag uh, the the courts have considered this an aggregate aggravated felony, aggravated and fel felony. Okay, and so he's facing deportation. He's already a criminal. Well, let's deport him. I just remember, folks, that uh, you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Deport him, you'll never have to feed him again. All right, so <laughs> aggravated felony because he had a gun. Well, it's an interesting uh, 
controversy, 4-4, and here comes um, Judge Gorsuch, who's, who said, look, you cannot deport him because it's unconstitutional because it, the law is too vague. Now, wait a minute. Isn't this guy supposed to be – isn't he supposed to be um, a conservative? Well, there's some of his uh, – Judge um, Gorsuch, some of his commentary is on this um, website, and I want to read this to you because it's fascinating. And I really like how he thinks, surprising or not. He writes – Vague laws invite arbitrary power. Before the revolution, the crime of treason in English law was so capriciously construed that the mere expression of disfavor or disfavored opinions could invite transportation or death. The founder cited the Crown's abuse of pretended crimes like this as one of their reasons for the revolution. See the Declaration of Independence. Today's vague laws may not be as invidious, but they can invite the exercise of arbitrary power all the same. By leaving the people in the dark about what the law demands and allowing prosecutors and courts to make it up. Um, the law before us today is such a law. Before hoarding a lawful permanent resident alien like James DeMaya, Subject to removal for having committed a crime, the Immigration and Nationality Act requires a judge to determine that the ordinary case of the alien's crime of conviction involves a substantial risk that physical force may be used. But what does that mean? Just take the crime at issue in this case. He goes on to discuss about what level is considered a potential risk or an aggravated felony. Is it a door-to-door salesman peddling shady products, or is it somebody holding a gun at the 7-Eleven? It's too vague, and he concluded, um, the law's silence leaves leaves judges to their intuitions and the people to their fate. In my judgment, the Constitution demands more. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hey, wait a minute. I'm not saying I fully support what Gorsuch did, but he's signing the Founding Fathers and the abuse potentials from arbitrary laws. That is freaking brilliant. Because the laws do have to be clear. I'm actually an expert witness in a mess where there's arbitrary laws, and come to find out the law they're imposing is not even legal to enforce because of certain things I don't have time to get into. Clients going through hell. But the building inspector is left to all sorts of arbitrary this and that, and he's changing his mind as the city directs – I'm sorry, the city manager directs the building inspector. What the heck do we do here? And all over the place, a client's pulling her hair out. Arbitrary laws are extremely dangerous, and in the wrong hands, as the British have proven in their history why we kicked them off the continent, arbitrary laws are very dangerous. So I'm really liking what Gorsuch wrote. And by the way, I just one of two of my favorite Supreme Court justices. Uh, one of them is Robert Hewalt Jackson, presided over the Nuremberg trials, never held a bar card. The other one was uh, William O. Douglas. William O. Douglas, 
was a liberal, but he got justice and he got liberties right. Stunning how good of a protector of the people's liberties he was, even though he was a liberal. So it's a fascinating study on the law and what Gorsuch did. Did we deport this guy or not? Well, make the law more clear. That's what he's saying, so that government doesn't have too much arbitrary power. And by the way, in this mess of recent, I talked to a stunningly brilliant paralegal we got to get on the show, and we met with the attorney, the client's attorney, yesterday. And I asked them both the same question. How often do you see cities and counties go beyond their authority? The paralegal said quite often. And this attorney, he's a hotshot attorney at 300 an hour. This hotshot attorney says on a regular basis. So I, I think that's fascinating decision that Gorsuch made because at least he's got um, several principles of liberty figured out. I just now I, I want to so, get some other people. But what, what do you make of him voting with the liberals? You think it just then it just was. Uh... It's just beneficial for them, at least at that point. Is that what you're saying? They just happen to benefit from it, from it or no, what? No, you missed it. I'm sorry, I'm Robert. I don't mean to be so frank, but you missed it. You completely missed it. Liberty, our rights, our natural rights, and justice are far above political bias. And the courts no, I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm not disagreeing that. But but no, what I'm asking, maybe you missed what I'm asking. What I'm asking is, uh, is that are you saying that just by happenstance? Because here's the the article is talking about you know hey, and you know look, conservatives are getting pissed off because they sided with the liberals uh, at this point. But is it just happenstance uh, that the liberals got a quote unquote win uh, from this ruling, uh, which in actuality? What should be one that your conservatives should be upset about? If they don't under if well, okay, what type of conservative are we talking about? Are we talking about a conservative that's been biased by other people? Of course, they're going to be upset. If there's conservatives that don't understand law, of course they're going to be upset. If there's conservatives that think that U.S. Supreme Court should do everything they want. Of course they'll be upset. If you have a, uh, a conservative that understands how the law works and that the Supreme Court is a bulwark that has continuously protected our liberties and our rights, they should, they should not be upset with Gorsuch. And they should get into the court case a lot more. At least I was able to read some of his words. And mm-hmm. I think he got his, – his thinking is right. I'd have to read the entire case to, to – but I'd like his thinking. And, and you know what? He's got the convictions to stand up for rights and liberties against conservatives, which means what? That means he is going to be, the, he's going to be protecting our liberties even though he's under a lot of pressure. That tells me some good things about Gorsuch. I know this sounds different. I got a paralegal. We should get him on the phone. Ask him about this, and he'll probably call agree him, with you. Know? <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, I, I, like him. I mean, yeah, I mean, give him the yeah. call-in number. We've got time. Yeah, but we, 
arbitrary power is point blank frightening. This is why a, a client of mine, she's facing the fence Nazis. I'm calling them the fence Nazis because I figured out their way out of line in, 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 in several ways. And there's so much arbitrary power. Yes, luckily we got a good inspector, but he's changed his mind a little bit here and there. But he's 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 trying to be neutral and fair. He used to be a contractor. Now he's a building inspector. Um, but I'm seeing in this potential with just the the fence. Not, it's the city manager and others that are directing this guy, and his hands are tied. You know, he's he's told me that. He said good things about my client, but she's trying. He knows it. She said good things about him, but he's caught and stuck in the middle. He's not sure what to do. And and with fences, what the heck are you calling an engineer for over a fence? It's it's. I'm trying to get people together. These code compliance project. I've had over a dozen of these. Let's get everybody together. Let's work this out. Um, I've you know most for the most part, I have a lot of success getting the client to understand. Yeah, this is the law. It's passed by the legislature. It's what you got to do. It's the way it is. I'll help you who set of plans. There you go. But sometimes I have to get the building officials to back off a little bit, see the code as a different interpretation. In this case, there's a certain city. I can't say the name right now until this is all done. They have made an arbitrary power, and it's even vague with the specification. I would never write an, um, an ordinance this way. You know, you got to make the rules fair for everybody. Well, now they're going after this lady. In the worst-case scenario, she might have to tear the city – he refuses to tear a fence down. They'll come out there. That's why I call them fence Nazis because code compliance. I can do this stuff, you know. And thousand dollars a day, fine. Guess what? That is actually a real ordinance somewhere else. Thousand dollars a day. By the time you remediate it, thirty days. That's thirty thousand. You might as well just turn your land over. All right. So you've got this this bogus arbitrary left in the hands of you know the codes are. Are left to be desired because it's not clear. You got an inspector that has broad sweeping powers to make the interpretation. Oh, until the city manager says, "Well, tell her to do this instead," and you're messing with her head. Um, they can take and, and say, "Okay, you didn't comply with all of our demands. We're going to come in there, tear the fence down, and because it's a, it's a government contract, it could be twenty, thirty thousand dollar day operation." I had a, a project where the client just says, "Well, I'm just going to." let them tear my house down, and they did, and it was a $30,000 operation between, you know, the, the backhoe to tear down the house, uh, loaded in a, in a dump truck to take the material to the landfill, and then they leaned his property. This is like in 2004. They have this power, and they can, it's like, okay, when you when something is arbitrary, there is enormous potential for abuse. Gorsuch will protect people from this abuse. Oh, and come to find out, guess what? Because of a certain filing requirement with the California Building Standards Commission, the ordinance is null and void. <laughs> she doesn't even need a permit. It's unbelievable. So, you know, I, I've seen this before, um, and, and that's this is why the courts get involved constantly in disputes, because the laws aren't clear. They're just not clear. And so somebody with the best of intention, like my clients calling the building inspector, hey, come out again. I want need some clarification. Somebody can try, and they get so darn frustrated because they're doing what they're told, but it's based on arbitrary power. Uh, I, I, you know, is this making sense to people? Or I mean, yes, the conservatives aren't going to be happy, 
But right now, I'm pretty happy. Well, no, with no, 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 that's kind of my point. You know, at first glance, it kind of pisses you off. But then, you know, if you read deeper, you're like, why am I pissed off? <laughs> you know, uh, that, that was kind of my impression when I read it. You know, that first scene, I was like, oh, come on. You know, and then when I read further, I'm like, you know, I want to be pissed off, but I don't know if I should be. <laughs> you know, I'm like, but come on, you know, because you want them to be able to, you know, I mean, it just seems like all these people, and we're going to get uh, Suzette here momentarily. And then Susan, I see, is on the line. Uh, and I see Kilroy in the chat. Welcome, Kilroy. And if you'd like to uh, chime in, give us a call at 347-945-7428. Uh, and we'll get you into the show. But, uh, you know, just all these other people that, you know, Trump has appointed, you know, and they, they got in, you know, like, uh, like Sessions, for instance. I mean, get rid of Sessions and all these other people who's, in, who's been in his cabinet. And now, you know, it just seems like no one seems to be working out for the guy, you know, what, what, what that he that he brings in it just it just seems like none of them. So additionally, you're like, man, blank you. You know what I mean? I mean, come on, what are you doing? But then, when, as you said, you know, you read further, you're kind of like, uh, it's stuck to the uh, at this point. It's playing into the the liberal hands at this point. Um, but let's go ahead and we're going to keep, of course, everyone's mics open. But let's go ahead and uh, bring in Suzette. Uh, and then, uh, because I know Suzette's been on, uh, holding on for a while as well. Uh, so, uh, thank you very much, Suzette, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm okay. <laughs> thank you for taking my call. I totally agree with Kelly. In essence, Gorsuch, what he start, what he did is the beginning to restoring um, the way the law should be. <clears throat> under the Constitution, or just the rule of law should be clear and distinct. And yes, the side effect was in favor of the liberal side, if you want to look at it that way. But in the end, if he continues on this path, it is more beneficial for for the country itself, for the republic. Then, um, and <laughs> only will re- uh, liberals recognize that after it's uh, after the fact, which is a good thing. So let them jump for joy. And if conservatives are true conservatives, and they were thrilled with Gorsuch's appointment in the beginning, it was why? Because he was a constitutional lawyer or a constitutional judge. And that's what we wanted, and we were thrilled about it. So they can't really be too pissed off about it. <laughs> and um, as far as um, Newt Gingrich goes, that was a great interview. I thought it went really well, and he nailed it on every point. I was actually glad to see that uh, Laura Ingram had spent some time with him, so the answers weren't so short and brief like a lot of the interviews with uh, people like that and shows like that. Usually we get like maybe a few minutes, and and then they're off. Okay, well, thank you for coming on the show. (laughs) We really appreciate you coming on. It's kind of like a lot of radio shows that happens. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, Suzanne, okay. is your show tomorrow? It is. It is What's the number? The phone number. Oh, um, I, I'll have to text it to you because it's done through a conference number. Um, I have a live chat, and then my, my phone number call into the show is separate. <laughs> so I will text it to you. <laughs> okay. Well, Robert, you'll have to give her my number, I guess. 
Yeah, I've, I've got hers, and I'll get, I'll, get it, I'll get them to you. Yeah, or you can give Kelly my number or, or give me his number. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Cool. So did I did I understand what you were saying there, Kelly? And was did I really? Well, I, I really like that you get what I explained because at first, or prima facie, at the first glance, um, conservatives would be upset. But mm-hmm. when it's explained a little better from the perspective that I've I've studied other court cases, et cetera, too, um, Hale versus Henkel, which by the way. I can recite, and I think every American should learn a key phrase in Hale versus Henkel, which says, the the individual may stand upon his constitutional rights as a citizen. He owes no duty to open his door to investigation as it may tend to incriminate him. His rights are existing as the laws of the land, long antecedent before the organization of the state, and can only be taken from him by due process of law and in accordance with the Constitution. And it's absolutely stunning. Well, there's more to it than that. In that whole case, it's a landmark case. But the judge in 1905 that penned that understood that our rights are absolutely supreme until we injure someone else's uh, person, their property, or their rights. Um, And it even says he knows no duty to the state except for the protection of his life and property. Hmm. It's absolutely stunning. Absolutely correct. (laughs) Yeah. So back then, even, understanding what's the point of the Constitution, what is the end goal of government, to protect the rights of the individual. To protect Robert, people. Can people. I, Robert, can I interject something? Uh, yes, go ahead, Dr. Tolbert. Yeah, my, my question is, under the Constitution and immigration belonging to the state, which is the argumentative thing, and the judge ruling that a person that commits a minor crime is not going to have to be returned to his country based on the comments just made in other court cases and reading through the articles, and yet an illegal immigrant has no constitutional rights, and it was very clearly written in the Constitution that only ones that can fall under that rights has to be a resident or an acceptance person of that state. And so when the judge ruled on a person that was illegally breaking into your house and stealing your property, which is your jobs and whatever else, and you associate that with the Constitution, the rule is totally not correct because he did not state, number one, that the federal government had any rights to intervene. Number two, he did not state under the chapter or the Amendment 10 that immigration belonged to the states. Number three, he did not state that sanctioned cities and the illegal immigrations and the individuals breaking into your state are actually manipulating your property, your taxes. They're not paying taxes. They're stealing from people. He's only making a statement that a, what a criminal would be, and he's making a statement that no illegal immigrant is, in fact, a criminal coming in, although the majority and the death rate and what's happening with illegal immigrants 
is costing the U.S. government $40,000 per illegal immigrant, and the states are not standing up and taking their rights. And I know that's going to be an argumentative subject, but I take a totally different viewpoint on what he did and how he presented the case. All right. I want to throw out some comments about that. Um, we got three categories of people in this country. You have, of course, citizens who are natural born. Actually, you got four categories. Citizens that are naturally born here, and that means you're a citizen of your state and the United States. Number two, those who have become um, legal citizens, naturalized, yes, naturalized citizens who green card, probation period, all right, now you're a permanent citizen. And, of course, you got the green card that's still on probation, which this guy was. And the fourth category of people here is, of course, illegal immigrants. Now, here is a surprising thing. Uh, in the 1800s, they had this, as the states were running immigration, they would have been very upset not only with this person and probably deported him because that was the states. They would have been very upset with the sponsor, and the sponsor would have had to pay for damages. So obviously that person would not get permanent uh, citizenship here. But we are as we are now. It's nationalized, not good. But when we go to what laws apply to all four categories, and including illegal immigrants, they do have constitutional rights. Now, there's a court case about this, and it makes sense. It's real simple. When trying a criminal case of that, anybody within our borders – what law do we use? What standards do we use? It happens to be the Constitution. And so they do have the right of due process. They do have the right for witnesses on their behalf. They do have right of trial by jury, counsel, et cetera, et cetera. All right? Because it's the only law, unless we by treaty adopt UN laws to deal with immigrants, and I hope we never do. So when a person commits a crime... <clears throat> The, the, the cons, they do, illegals have constitutional rights. I know that sounds very frustrating because, again, as Trump said, I like this phrase, um, feed a, give a man a fish fleet for a day, deport the illegal, you'll never have to feed him again. But we <laughs> right. still have a system, yeah, we still have a system of justice, of due process, of, it just, and it's quite moral and quite ethical to give somebody their day in court. Um, and so the process is just as important as the verdict. And I can go in a long dissertation why how important the process was because, well, without trial by jury, for example, Germany murdered, uh, was it 20 million people because there was no trial by jury. So the process is very important. Otherwise, we could have a benevolent dictator turned Adolf Hitler and without the process, we are not protected. I, I wish I had Dr. Tolbert. Maybe if we talk privately on the phone, um, if I was president, I would tell you a very radical way to deal with all the illegals. Um, yeah, what's that? But, Why does it got to be in private? Why can't it be on Bard's logic? <laughs> I have to, I have to, re, I have to revise it before I make it public. But it would, it, it, it would, would be, it be would some solve. revisions there. 
it, it would solve the problem pretty darn quick. But I, I just have to revise it first and really think about it carefully. Anyway. Yeah, and I, I understand where you're coming from because an individual that has a green card has been accepted by the forms of naturalization and the path that they have to take. The issue is not the individual that had a green card, which was the ruling. It was the issue is, does the states, has the states lost its right under the 10th Amendment to accept uh, individuals within their state before they follow the principle of seven years under the 1809 Constitution, the 17. Uh, 98 uh, uh, Naturalization Act, the uh, Naturalization Act changes in the year 2000, and how it all referred before Ellis Island, and the people from Ellis Island had to pay the state of New York $50. So when an individual comes in that does not have, and that's the point I'm making, the rights of the state and the Congress does not say, and the Supreme Court did not make the statement that this individual came in legally, and therefore, because he was legal, and because he was following the legality of the Constitution, and because his crime was a minor crime, he has a right to stay in the state. So they did not give the backup theory behind their judgment. And my comment is, had that individual not came through the process, and this is going to become argumentative as I read the Constitution and understand it. The legality or illegals are not covered, and there's several clauses that people would say that a person that falls under the state or the, or of the country have the rights of the court. If they though don't fall under those rights because they broke into your house illegally, I believe the Supreme Court's not ruling on it properly, and the court cases that are being presented are not necessarily the ones that enforce or do not enforce my comment. Well, you know, what's interesting about the Supreme Court, they have real, a soapbox. Real, real, okay. real, quick, real, real quick, Kelly. I don't want to give Susan the opportunity to, to chime in, and then we'll bring it back to you. Uh, let's go ahead and bring in Susan. Thank you very much, Susan, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm I'm fine. Really tired. I had a long, hard day today, but um, I have something I want you to hear. It's I uh, hopefully you can hear it. It's about 21 seconds long, and then I have some other comments. Um, Michael Savage uh, warns about Gorsuch. Let's see if it's going to play now. <laughs> First of all, I'm going to make a prediction. Gorsuch is going to be another Roberts. Mark my words. They'll roll him. He's been rolled already. They've been brainwashing him inside. The witch, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and the others, they're breathing their foul vampire breath on his brain. He is going to be another liberal faker. As sure as I... Watch. You watch and see if I'm wrong. There you go. Um, so yep. then I, I know you're a big some... fan, but do, do you think he's right? Yes, I do. I do. Yes, I am a big fan. Uh, this rule, uh, and I agree with uh, what's his bucket, I guess, John. Um, that uh, sorry, John. <laughs> um, 
that if you're here illegally, which he was came to this country as a 13-year-old in 1992, committed burglary, and he was not legal. So it's by its very nature involves a substantial risk that physical force may be used in the course of committing the offense. So immigration judges would allow him to be deported. Um, sorry, he was here illegally. That's a crime in itself. So if they send home this other man who's leaving his family and leave him here, there's something wrong with this. I, I smell a rat, a big, big rat about it. He must have paid someone off. I don't know what. But um, the whole thing is that you can't favor people if it's uh, – uh, you can't. And they and they favored him him over the that man that everybody loved that has leaving his family behind being sent back to Iraq or somewhere Iran I'm not sure where um, and then uh, on Savage again with a Catholic in March 2006 Savage criticized the Roman Catholic assistance to illegal immigrants in response to statements by Cardinal Roger. Mahoney of Los Angeles, calling it pastoral support. Bill Donahue of the Catholic League canceled an appearance on the show saying what is not fine is Savage's diatribe about the greedy pigs in the Catholic Church and how the institution is rotten from the top to the bottom. He owes all Catholics an apology. So um, he's taken on the Catholic Church. Yeah, I, I really, I do like Savage because unlike Hannity and all them, and it's just it's nothing to do with Hannity's case or anything, he really calls it like it is, and he's not very nice. I mean, I know that. I know that. But Savage isn't, that's why he was probably banned in England, you know. So there you go. He predicted about Gorsuch. He took on the Catholic Church. There's my comment. Kelly, would you like and, to Robert, respond on that? Yeah, Robert, yeah I want to go ahead and yeah, go ahead, Doctor Tolbert. Yeah, someone's got yeah. some more stuff in the background. If we can mute the phone or mic or, or what have you uh, for that, I appreciate it. Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, sure. what, what everybody's doing. In, in this, they're quoting the 14th Amendment, where everybody has a right, and the, and the states shall not deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection law. And this is how these illegal immigrants are being able to get through the system through the 14th Amendment. So they're saying anyone that breaks into your house illegally and steals your property has a right to the 14th Amendment. So anyone breaking into your country has the right of the 14th Amendment. And I disagree with the fact that illegals fall under the 14th Amendment, and yet the courts and lawyers are taking the position they do have that right, and I disagree with it. Good. Well, this is where it gets fascinating. It gets real fascinating. When you have a dispute to the level of a 4-4. Now, who's got to decide? Well, obviously, Gorsuch was in that position. Now, disputes can be so complicated that it does get this way. Let's suppose that uh, they're all Jeffersonian-type thinking. They have to look at the law, the process, and, and the Constitution. Now, notice that Gorsuch started out with his concurrence with 
citing this, uh, summarizing the federal statute. Okay. What happens in controversies is the legislature passes a statute, be it state legislature or the feds. Here's the statute. Here's the authority and the crime and the whatever. Okay. This is what the legislature has decided as the law. Now, they have to interpret these controversies. Okay? And there's the crime, and then there's the process. Now, the crime, um, obviously, he got a conviction, otherwise, he wouldn't have appealed. Um, so, okay, that's been proven. He committed a crime. Now, the legislative authority said, yes, you may deport um, an, a legal immigrant on this, but it was vague. That was a problem, vague and arbitrary. So that's why Gorsuch went that way. Now, if Congress wanted to, they would have given um, more clear definitions for reasons to deport a criminal, legal or illegal. For example, let's say you got somebody with a green card and Congress said, thou shalt be deported for jaywalking. They can write that as the law. The guy gets a ticket for jaywalking, prove it in the court of law, and then the, then the ICE agents go round him up. You're done. Get out of our country because you jaywalked. The legislature could have written a law like that, and they didn't. What I'm saying here… Is, is It's the legislature that writes the statutes that provide the authority, and the judges have to interpret. Um, does, I, mean, I personally would does, Yeah, But does the federal government have the right of immigration in the Constitution when it does not state that, and it falls under the Tenth Amendment, and therefore it is the state rights, and they're not quoting what the state right. And when the Supreme Court ruled for same-sex marriage, and the state of Florida had in their state constitution marriage is one man and one woman, and the Supreme Court ruled over the state, and a state and the governor of the state can refuse to accept the Supreme Court ruling. And there was cases that proved the point that a state under a sovereign state could go against the decree of the Supreme Court if the Supreme Court violated the Tenth Amendment. And the Supreme Court has continually violated the Tenth Amendment. Well, I agree with you there. And Prince versus U.S. Uh, delineated that we have a system of dual sovereignty to keep each other in check. That was penned by Scalia. Another case more recently was, oh, wasn't was Mayfield versus U.S. Um, starts with an M. United States versus uh, some lady, and it talks again about states' rights <laughs> versus the federal. Some lady? <laughs> some lady. starts with an M. I can't remember her name right now. Um, anyway, I'm just having a little glitch. I had a super long day, happy day. But, yeah, that's okay. Um, so so it, it's even again saying, yeah, the federal government is not the end-all, be-all of everything on all matters whatsoever. It is not. It's the state's. And so many issues, and they constantly bring me on things back to the states. Now, the Supreme Court has these opportunities to get on their soapbox and even call outside opinions. If I was Gorsuch, I would have said, you know what? I've done my homework, and really this whole immigration thing belongs into 
the hands of the states, as was set up by the Constitution, as was practiced. Yeah, why didn't he say something like that? Country. Well, he could have as a side note. Then he would say, however, it does not matter specifically to this case, as I don't think I'll be able to win the other judges over, but I'm on my soapbox telling the American people how it is. Now, when we get into the specifics of this case, here's my decision, da-da-da-da-da. But he missed an opportunity. And in in, in uh, Bureau of Duryea versus Garneria, there came out an opinion of the right to petition. The question, is a lawsuit a petition in the First Amendment sense? And three of the judges said, it's kind of a side note, the right of petition uh, – a lawsuit is not a petition in the First Amendment sense. Now, that's fascinating. A little side note there. So they throw in side notes. Gorsuch could have done this, and he didn't, and that is disappointing. And Christina Timmons would, would be all upset if she's on the show or listening that he didn't take the opportunity to explain this great principle of the states and immigration. So, it, it, you know, when you get into – I mean, I, I'd love to get Michael Warnkin on the show. He's just, he makes me look stupid. That's how brilliant he is. Um, oh, and by the way, when we met with the attorney yesterday, he didn't know about this way to nullify a local ordinance regarding the building codes. He didn't know that. <laughs> There's things – we can't know everything. I don't know everything about engineering. I'm only in the civil realm. I don't know much about mechanical or electrical. But in cases of law, there are times where – I'm sorry, attorneys just don't know. <laughs> so maybe Gorsuch doesn't even know about the history of immigration, the practice of the states, and how it's happening. Scalia would actually go back to the state trials of England. That was published in 1719. And like, whoa. You know, and, you, and every now and then you read Supreme Court cases, it'll say State Trials, Volume 3, page 397. What the heck, State Trials? Well, it's State Trials of England. It's absolutely fascinating when the long volume of history we have and somebody's understanding, but when you have Gorsuch citing the Declaration of Independence, whoa, obviously he's read it. And hopefully the principles have gotten down deep into his soul. That he will be protecting us. I, I've said this for years, well over a decade now. Without the United States Supreme Court, we would be done as a country because our liberties would be over. They have endlessly, and even um, in Miranda, Miranda versus Arizona, the judge did judicial activism and added a law, and that we call the Miranda rights, freedom, freedom to Miranda rights. So, you got a little music action going on there. <laughs> yeah. So, so it is. It is absolutely. And we we do have John on the line. John, I know you want to chime in. We'll get you in shortly. Go ahead, Kelly. So it's absolutely fascinating to see how, and even liberals, liberals have sided with the Constitution, our rights, our liberties. They have. It's absolutely fascinating. So I I don't really think much about. A person's yeah, I do think about their bias politically, um, you know. And then there's Kagan or Kegel or whatever her name is. Never, never been a judge. Kegels. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Ke- Go ahead. <laughs> um, you know, Go ahead, Kelly. <laughs> I, was like, yeah, I was like, come on, you're, and now you're going to be a justice. 
do you have enough life experience and do you understand the law to the depth? Have you understand our liberties enough? Those are the ones that scare me. The, you know, sometimes the left, they, if they don't understand the liberties of we were born free from our first breath, if if I don't care what bias they have, Republican, Democrat, if they do not understand our essential liberties, what the heck are they doing on the Supreme Court? And I and I will say, yeah, the left and it, at times d- doesn't get this, and sometimes people on the right, like to, you know, I got frustrated with the Tea Party a few times. They don't. There's certain things they don't get. Um, so that's the kind of judge I want is like Robert Huot Jackson, which I believe was conservative, and then Justice William O. Douglas. He was a left, but he got our rights correct. Um, that to me is the most important thing, and there's hints of what Gorsuch did that he will be protecting our rights. <laughs> Let's go ahead and bring in. Uh... So you guys are taking John's time. Uh, thank you. Bring it, boy. Uh, we got plenty of time here. Um, let's go ahead and bring in John and uh, uh, bring it, boy. Uh, if you want to chime in, give us a call at 347-945-7428. And if uh, you don't call us in in about 15 minutes, uh, the extended period of the show will be going on. But unfortunately, you will not be able to hear the audio. Uh, so if you would like uh, to get in, get Give us a call uh, before the 15 minutes are up at 347-945-7428. Let's go ahead and uh, at the request of uh, one of our chat folks, uh, get you in here. (laughs) John, how are you tonight? Oh, wonderful. Um, Definitely always very stimulative, great show. And uh, this this really burdens my heart, man, when I think about it. Because Article 4, Section 2, that's way before, you know, Amendment 14. Article 4, Section 2, the citizens of each state shall be entitled to all privileges and immunities of citizens in the several states. That right there means that due process itself, the definition of due process and how it's supposed to work has to be the same for every American. That means every legal United States citizen gets to define by mutual assent what it is. Otherwise, it's an oligarchy that's making the decisions on what the due process is. Therefore, they've just allocated themselves as superior, and therefore we don't all have the same privileges and immunities. Because they are determining the processes and the equal protections. So, therefore, they just threw the Constitution under the bus and out the window. And nobody continues to get that. I don't understand that. Because so, the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence has no meaning at all unless we all are willing to sign our name at the, on the signers list to say we'll mutually pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor to uphold these principles, values, and virtues, you know, veracity, and whatnot. Otherwise, it falls apart. 
And that's what we're struggling with today. We give lip service to this Constitution, and then the Congress and the judicial system get bought out by the doggone billionaires and the bigwigs to manipulate it and keep us distracted talking about all this stuff while they run roughshod right over us and then just let the doggone foreigners come in and invade our country and take over without us having, they say, we don't have any standing. Baloney. You don't have a right to put a law on me, period, anything. And I don't know, it just blows my mind that we get hung up in these, these are great discussions, but you get, we got to stand with the foundation first. The first part is, is if we got to have all the same privileges and immunities as seven, citizens in the several states, that means that our, our congressmen and senators cannot dictate to us the, what due process means, what equal protections mean, what the rules are, what the processes are, without our consent. Otherwise, you automatically are classifying people at different levels. Certain privileges, people get certain privileges, and other people don't get the same privilege. Right? Or am I totally off the wall here? Well, let's go ahead and bring that down the line for that. Uh, we'll start with you, Dr. Tolbert, and then Kelly. The, actually, it's, uh, get bring on the Suzette. Wall. Let's have ladies first, guys. Oh, well, yeah, get, um, let's get Suzette and then Dr. Tolbert. And then, oh, well, no, it's actually getting close. You have to go, Dr. Tolbert. I see that. So, yeah, let's go ahead and go to Dr. Tolbert and then uh, Suzette and then Kelly and then Susan. Go ahead, uh, Dr. Tolbert. Yeah, and I agree with what John just said, because when you read the entire content of Article 4, what they did, uh, and this is the rule oh, of you, guarding against um, invaders. I pretty much said everything I needed to say concerning that that, um, that judgment and what Neil Gorsuch had to say. And, and though it appears on the surface that she sided with the liberals, oh, well, well, I, well, I'm, I'm, I believe, excuse me? Oh, no, I, I thought we, I, I, yeah, because Dr. Tolbert's got to go in a few minutes, so it's going to okay, let him get his, uh, his, final, yeah, his final thoughts in, and then I'm going to bring you in. Go ahead. Oh, go Sorry ahead. about that. No, that's no problem. You know, I, I agree with what John was talking about under Article 4, but you got to read the entire Article 4, and that's where it comes in the rule that the Congress has to declare them invaders, and it goes into the fact, and what happened when they passed the 14th Amendment, as they did in all amendments after the 10th Amendment, they actually took away the, the authority of the other articles in the Constitution. One of the things that we filed against the Supreme Court, that they needed to reevaluate all the amendments and review the constitutionality and how they voided the actual Constitution. And this is the biggest problem we're having. I am an absolutely believer that if you're not a citizen of the state, as John was saying, under Article 4 in the different sections, and it's covered in several places, therefore you don't fall under the 14th Amendment. And the ruling that was not done, and Kelly did go back and restate it a little different, and I agree with, that they should have first taken the position that was he in fact authorized to file a petition and or was he a citizen of that state and should he said we're not going to review the case because it doesn't belong to the federal government and it should have been put in the state and that's kind of where I stand on that and when we sent the letters to Donald Trump 
We sent the articles on DACA. We sent the articles on immigration. We sent the articles under sanctioned cities. We sent the articles under sovereign states. We sent the articles of the Constitution and the breakdown of the Constitution. And we sent the court cases that Kelly is talking about because even though I don't have a doctor degree in uh, in law and my degree is in education, I did apply to Harvard and asked them if they would let me come in and have a Ph.D. as a constitutional Ph.D. So there's where we're at right now. Maybe here very shortly I can come back on your show. And I am running for the United States Senate of Florida as no party affiliated, in case somebody did not hear. I did submit my paper yesterday. And thank you, uh, Robert, for allowing me to speak. Oh, good luck. And we're always glad to have you have you on there on here with us and uh so let's go ahead then and uh, bring it back uh, over to you Suzette. thank you there she is Suzette. oh as i was saying i'm sorry i had to chime in i thought you had no, no, there you go um i was just saying that I had said everything I needed to say, so <laughs> back to you, Robert. Okay. Thank you for taking my call. Oh, you're welcome. Let's go ahead, and if Kelly's got some means of explanation there, go ahead, Kelly. Well, uh, Dr. Tolbert brought up an interesting and good point. Um, that is equal protection of the law. There's also equal application of the law, meaning a government agent can't just go after his political enemies, i.e., uh, Ronnie Earl, the district attorney that used uh, three grand juries to get um, Tom DeLay indicted in Travis County, Texas. Why wasn't he using the grand jury to go after his political allies? Equal protection of the law, equal application. I talked to a contractor today. I told him that tip, you know, you got a 10,000 overrun, call me. Let's see if the ordinance is even legal. But anyway, he told me a story where a district attorney threw out a whole bunch of criminal cases. There was um, contractors that weren't contractors. They were unlicensed contractors. They were getting tried in Marin County. And this contractor's name's Bob. He called up the district attorney and said, you know, I'm going to be a witness on behalf of these unlicensed contractors. Do you know why? Because people are doing contracting work without a contractor li- uh, license on federal land, but it's still within the state of California. You're not going after them. So I'm going to testify on behalf of these unlicensed contractors because you're not doing equal application of law, and you're going to get your ass sued. So the district attorney dropped all these. was over a dozen of these illegal contractors that got rounded up. He dropped the case because why? The district attorney realized he was not performing equal application, and the citizens were not allowed equal protection. So that's a very good point. Uh, Dr. Tolbert, which is necessary in our laws. Now, here's a fascinating thing. Um, Fifth Amendment talks about um, due process and all sorts of things. But as the Fifth Amendment states specifically, you have the right to confront your accuser. You have the right to cross-examine. It doesn't say that in there. Now, that's a fascinating thing. It's actually part of due process. Under the umbrella of due process, you have the right to confront your accuser. You have the right to cross-examine your accuser under the umbrella of due process. The process due the accused. All right. 
But we go back to the Fourth Amendment, which you mentioned. I think you said Article 4, Dr. Tolbert? Yes. Is he still there? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so you said Article yeah. 4. You, yeah, you mean the Fourth Amendment? Yeah. You meant the Fourth Amendment, right? No, I'm talking about Art- Article 4, the Constitution. Constitution, okay, all right. Yeah, remember yeah. I Art- read Article 4 just a moment ago. Okay. Yeah, Article well, 4, the, you pull it up, it states exactly, if you read through the whole thing, and John, what section did you say you were talking about? I was reading Section 2 of Article 4, because it blatantly right. says we have the same equal privileges and immunities as citizens of all the several states. Now, the word you use there is citizen. Yeah, and the word you're using, John, is the word citizen meant you had to be accepted by that state to be a citizen of that state. Right. But my point is is that the the whole process is flawed from the get-go when you don't consider the citizens who make up the state in order to determine what the definition and define what due process and all these other things are. It's just like in Article 1, Sections 9 and 10, where it talks about no, um, uh, what is it, no state or, first of all, let me look. It says, no title of nobility shall be granted to the United States. That's Article 1, Section 9. Article 1, Section 10, no state shall grant any title of nobility. That right there tells you there's no favoritism of classes in caste system. And you can, I mean, I've learned this kind of stuff by listening to Herb Titus. He's a fantastic lawyer. He can speak better than I can, and I, I'm, you know, I don't know it, but I get the point. Because you as an individual, if they start creating rules, laws, processes, and procedures without your consent, they've already relegated you as less than the same as them in privileges and immunities. They've deprived you of the same privilege of defining what due process is or what the rule of law is or what, you know, whatever equal protections are. Because they've automatically assumed that they're a title of nobility, and they get to define what equal protections are and equal privileges and equal men, uh, immunities, and you have to accept their definition. They've just relegated you as their slave. You're no longer the same. So they've it become in breach of Title of Article One, Sections Nine and Ten, no title of nobility, and Article Four, Section Two. You know, citizens should have the same privileges and immunities as citizens in the several states. And if we all don't sign on to agree to these documents, then we're not a a legal party to them. These agreements have no bearing if we don't sign on and become a signatory to these documents. Thank you. You know, one of the uh, titles of nobility very well may be the bar, the British Accreditation Registry. Now, wait a minute. If we've assigned attorneys the bar nobility, does that mean we get to deport them? <laughs> you know, no, attorneys who are to... serving our Congress are unconstitutional if you even count the Constitution. Real, real, quick, uh, pro- real, quick, pro- real quick programming note, gentlemen, ladies. Uh, in about 60 seconds, uh, we are going to be going to the extended period. So if you're out there and you'd like to call in, give us a call at 347-945-7428. And also, uh, if you 
I'm going to phone her mic, uh, charge it up, because if unfortunately at this point uh, you get disconnected, we will not be able to bring you back in the show. Uh, so, again, if you'd like uh, to listen to the extended period and maybe you could chime in as well, give us a call at 347-945-7428. Uh, go ahead, gentlemen, ladies, go ahead. All right, I got another uh, funny about attorneys. All right, give a bar-accredited nobility attorney. You give an attorney a client, he will eat for months or maybe years. Deport him, you won't have to feed him again. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a hey, few Kelly. attorney jokes out there. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly, do you agree that the original Article 13 or Amendment 13 was that no attorney should hold a political office? And it was ratified by all the states. And then what they did, they lost it and then replaced it with the Slavery Act. I've I've heard this argument. I haven't researched it enough to comment. Yeah. If you research it, you'll find it. It was actually ratified and that the Article 13 that replaced it or the Amendment 13 that replaced it uh, was intentionally lost the original one. And it was ratified that no attorney could hold a political office. And that was done because of the same reason of nobility that they had in England. And they were making sure that certain things did not happen. And so I would stand with any article or any amendment after the 12th Amendment is unconstitutional based on the fact of the ratification and its position in the Constitution. Therefore, the 14th Amendment, which was written for the control of the federal government to take over the state's rights, and it undermined the 9th and 10th Amendment, uh, is why the 14th Amendment is being used by the Supreme Court. Can I add a little practicality to this, too, for a minute? Go ahead. Um, Check this out. You've heard me on this show before say that, you know, on this immigration thing, we need to be considerate to all the people that are on unemployment and social welfare and stuff because we pay the taxes that support these people that are on the public dole. So I have a right of standing to determine when um, immigration starts and stops, whether we let one more person in or any other person, as well as the people that are on unemployment. They have standing because they cannot force the um companies to hire them and why would that be right for the companies to be able to go cherry pick the world in order to replace you from your job here in america or an opportunity to get a job and they you know you can't force the employer to even interview you much less hire you so therefore the the communists just continue to bring more people in and put them in those jobs, then they use your tax money to continue to money launder the dollars and resources to the people that think like them that are communists. And that's what Obama and Clinton have done in their you know, eight years, both of them in the 90s and, and here recently with Obama. What they've done is allowed the immigrants that are communists and fascists and, and whatever other kind of whatnot that's not un-American to come in and then they fill all of these bureaucracies with their appointed little cronies and then all the money flows to them and then they create their little um, programs that make sure all the money flows to those uh, NGOs and all these other you know type of programs that are whether it be uh, ACORN or, or 
Planned Parenthood or whatnot in order to support their positions, and then they continue to maintain control over governing rules, laws, processes, procedures, and therefore you get your country run roughshod over, and our people that are incarcerated are being held in jail over laws that they never did consent to be burdened by or encumbered by, and now they're talking, you know, about... Well, the Christians, they're bad people and whatnot because they're the ones that are the far right and they stir up more trouble. We're going to have to start stamping on them, you know, and they become the minority. Well, then you got the tyranny of the masses that happen to be most of these uh, oligarch people that want to um, control the minorities. So then they just manipulate the um, media and all of the different people under their thumb to with the big money, George Soros and whatnot, to influence people. So you're providing your own news and paying for it. If you don't understand what I'm talking about in the sense of, you know, title of nobility and uh, privileges and immunities, that you get to decide for yourself your burdens and encumbrances. You're giving yourself over to the criminals that want to rape, pillage, and plunder you. And you say, oh, they have a right to because I voted them into office. Well, you vote them into office, but you don't vote them into office to be your darn dictator. That's, you know, they're not doing their job. That's a breach of trust, extrinsic fraud. Anyway, a whole bunch of other stuff. So much for that little tirade. Back to you. And just real quick, Kelly, I know that's one of the things we wanted to discuss tonight. Uh, We're we're actually into the third hour already, Um, so we definitely want to – bring this up, you know, because one of the things we want to talk about is uh, what you, you know, what's being worked on at, uh, you know, Watch the Vote USA. So, do you want to talk to us about that? Sure, I guess I'll save save my attorney jokes for another day. Um, But I will conclude with sometimes there are very complicated, difficult legal matters that you will have a 4-4 split in the Supreme Court. It's absolutely fascinating. And even many federal districts disagree amongst themselves, and it has to go to the Supreme Court, and they can't figure it out with 4-4. to Anyway, back to uh, Watch the Vote, which, by the way, uh, the election season's coming up, and uh, as always, watch watch the vote. I mean, we favor hand-counted paper ballots. Counted at the precinct in public view before the ballots leave the precinct. Why can't we do this? It's really simple. And counted paper ballots, counted at the precinct before they leave the precinct in public view. What's wrong with that? Simple thing. All right. Um, all right. So I've been working on, and this is not Watch the Vote yet because it's still being discussed by the board. I hope Jim Condit can join us. All right. Here's what I've figured out something to do a survey and a rating you know you hear like the NRA will have a rating on how a congressman is towards the second amendment what's the second amendment rating high low where is it Harry Reid went from like pretty high to nothing Um, and there's people that vote that uh, give a rating say on the constitutionality based on the congressman's votes for example the District I I live in, we have uh, Doug LaMalfa. His constitutional rating is the highest of any California 
congressman. Of course, that's pretty easy to do. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, another rating that coming up with recently is I call it the EIET rating. Stands for Election Integrity, Election Transparency Rating. Ten question survey, point system, cold calculated formula, and they get a zero all the way up to a hundred. Hundred being the best. How aware are they of the electronic system? Of course, if they get a high EIET rating, then a lot of people will want to vote for them. For the positions like Secretary of State that runs the state elections, um, takes results from the county, certifies it, etc. Then you have um, the county clerks or the county election clerks. They they run. They're the boots on the ground. A very tough job. In my county, I know her personally. She's a great, wonderful lady, except she's retiring, except she has a clue about the computers. I said, I love this lady dearly, but what's going under her nose, she doesn't know. So I developed a survey, and candidates can take this, but what if they don't? We go to their competitors or third parties like the Libertarian Party, Independent, or Green Party. And once we get their survey numbers, we go back to the people not willing to take it. There you go. What's your EIET rating? So we're going to do it in such an easy way that people can spread this around to candidates. It doesn't have to be limited to the Secretary of State nor the county election clerk. You can ask your county supervisors who vote to fund a contract with electronic machines. You can go to your state legislators or even a congressman. I'm going to hopefully hit all three of these with this survey. What's their rating? How aware are they? At the end of the survey, they're going to become aware Oh my gosh, maybe this is a problem. The public can become aware of how serious the problems are because the bottom line with these electronic machines, the second a paper ballot is turned into electrons, it's vulnerable to easy manipulation. Okay, we've talked about it before on the show. Now, we're gonna I, I'm trying to set this up so that you click, here's a survey, begin, you're done. It's automatically put into a database. You get an EIET rating. But for helping promote this for make, and turning this into four simple steps, one, learn what we're doing. Number two, find out in, uh, in a race who's running. Three, email all the candidates in a particular race, like county uh, election clerk. Number four, just follow up with a phone call. Hey, did you take the survey? Okay? And, and again, it'll make them aware. It'll give the public a rating. And, and, and the public will also become aware of this, this problem. So with that said, I want to get some people's comments on this idea. Well, myself, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to take something like that. You know, in the title that I chose, you know, Saving Trump's Agenda for the Deep State, uh, State Destroys It, uh, is I know a lot of folks out there, you know, including a panel here, uh, has been hearing about the blue. And they're also hearing about, you know, that's the reason Paul Ryan is uh, not you know, returning, and a lot of other, you know, folks are deciding not to return because they feel like they're not going to be in the majority. He's like to be the um, speaker of the house, you know, anymore after the the election. And my concern is, is that you know by crook, the the Democrats are going to take the house, and I think that what they're doing is they're they're putting out such a um, 
you know, just put in, ingraining it in people's minds that, you know, it, it's a done deal. The Democrats are going to, uh, are going to, you know, win. They're going to take the House. Uh, and, and hopefully there's a, a, an article I can uh, get to later on this evening. But, you know, time's going fast, as you know. Probably again one of those shows where we could have done a fourth hour. But anyway, is that, you know, I, I think they're going to try to steal it. And I think what they're going to try to do is, is use the electronic voter fraud, is what Kelly's talking about. Uh, you know, make the, the Democrats win across the country and then take the House, and then no one will really be the wiser because they, they're like, well, you know, that's kind of what we expected. That's what they've been saying all this time that, you know, oh, well, you know, they'll, they'll talk about the pendulum swinging and how the people like to have a divided government, which I disagree with. I mean, you know, the people, they, they want something to get done for the people, you know, uh, you know, especially when you had the movement that, you know, came under with uh Trump and his victory, and that's what I think we're going to need again. And I've said that many a times, uh, is that people are really going to have to get the energy that they did uh, during the primary and the general election uh, for this midterm election uh, that, that they did in 2016, or else the Democrats very well may take it whichever, whichever way they do it. But I think that's going to be a possibility, if not probability. And this is definitely one way of, of you said, Kelly, uh, getting that – that information out uh, because I mean, if face it, folks, if the Democrats get the uh, you know get the House, and then what their efforts, what they're trying to do now is what you know Trump's about around fifty percent or fifty percent. They're trying to get his uh, popularity you know lowered so that you know if they do uh, uh, proceedings for a uh, oh, I'm having a brain freeze there. <laughs> They're trying to impeach him. They're trying to proceed to impeach him. Then, of course, you know, if he, he has a 50% approval rating, they're like, yeah, right. You know, they're, they're, they won't survive that politically. But if they could get his uh, approval rating down low enough and then try to impeach him, then, then they might be able to see more success without uh, backlash from, you know, the people in, in the voting box the next time around. But that's, yeah, that's yeah. kind of my take on it. Uh, let's go on the panel. Let's go ahead. Uh, uh, first of all, we have a turn from Susan. Let's see what your thoughts on that, Susan, are, and then uh, Suzette, and then uh, yourself, John, and then we'll bring it back to, uh, to you, Kelly. Go ahead, uh, Susan. Oh, um, back to the <clears throat> this thing we've been talking about. I'm sorry. I don't believe you entered the country illegally. We have enough criminals that are legal. We don't need any illegal criminals on top of that we're feeding and housing in our jails, okay? That's just oh plain and simple. <laughs> what? I, I just said, oh, my, because it's like the tiger. Why is the tiger the But, no, you're right. I mean, I, I, I would create that statement. Okay. So, anyway, um, uh, I, I, speaking of experiences, with, and Kelly wants us to do all this, let me tell you something. I've been making, you know that I've been stepping for raw Labrador for our governor. And Brad Little is the lieutenant governor right now. And him and Tommy Elquist. Oh, anyway, um, they're, uh, I've been posting things about, yes, on pages. He's an idiot. <laughs> He's otter light. I'm voting for raw Labrador. <laughs> And I got a notification going, we would like you to invite you to um, 
Well, anyway, Brad Little invited me to like his page. <laughs> I said, oh, boy, what list am I on now? Uh-oh. And then I got a letter, which I think I mentioned to you, with the three representatives, McDonald, Luker, and I can't think of the other one right at the moment. Um, they all signed listing their accomplishments because I called all of them custom out about the CBD oil when <laughs> supporting that. So they, they actually, I mean, this is not a stamped form letter. I mean, it's a form letter kind, but they all wrote it in pen, their signatures, on the same letter. I said, oh, boy, I am now on the watch list tonight. <laughs> I don't want to do anything more to attract any more attention, Kelly. Come on. Uh, I, I'm afraid the black helicopters from the federal either say they'll be hovering over me. So get your bail money ready. <laughs> oh, dear. It's been interesting. That's all I got to say. I didn't expect any of that. And I've asked other people, nobody's gotten that letter and nobody's got an invitation to like his page personally from Brad Little. <laughs> I was like, he must be desperate for my vote. <laughs> That's all I got to say. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> okay, well, let's go ahead and bring over you, Suzette. And I'm I'm going to get off now, so. Oh, okay, Susan. Um, well, thank you very much for uh, coming to the show. As always, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. All right. Bye, John, Kelly, Suzette, everybody. Suzanne, Suzette, I'm not sure. Okay. Bye. Good night. Bye, Mm, Good night. (laughs) Oh, she was in a good mood. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Um, I like Kelly's idea. I think we need it, especially, especially especially in California, because they want to go to the voting machines. And part of the state is going to be using the voting machines as a pilot program of some sort. But eventually their ultimate goal, I'm sure, is to use the voting machines. Why? Because they can be, you know, skewed to uh, specific candidates over others. So I think that's an excellent idea. It's going to be a lot of work, but it sounds like you're up for the task. And um, if you need any volunteers, give me a holler. And I agree with you, Robert. I'm sorry, (laughs) Kelly. But I agree with you, Robert, also, as well as the Democrats uh, trying to manipulate the the people into believing that this blue wave is coming. And, uh, well, with all these cities starting to participate in the SB 54, sanctuary city uh, bill that they have, um, or against it, I'm sorry. I don't think California will be blue for very much longer. That's all. Back to you. You know, I know there's been a couple of times where they're actually talked about, you know, California split. I mean, I'm hearing all, all kinds of different ideas. Uh, and who knows, maybe even in our lifetime, we'll, we'll see that happen. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Uh, it's a good choice, a good chance. They've got the votes for it now, I, from what I hear. I oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's one slight problem. It's only the legislature that can split up a state. And, of course, if the people are saying split up the state, then the pressure will be on the legislature to make it official. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they go hand in hand. <laughs> 
One doesn't go without. Well, at least you're supposed to. I mean, they are supposed to be representatives, right? Hmm. That's debatable. <laughs> but yeah. Okay, I'll go with it for now. <laughs> well, yeah, as I said, they're supposed <laughs> to be our representatives. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, I look forward well, Kelly, to your show. I mean, I mean, Kelly did, uh, or John, did you want to make, uh, before Kelly continues, did you want to add anything on that? No, it sounds a lot like what Jim and him had discussed months ago when, and from Watch the Vote USA, and I kind of got distracted with some stuff here, so I didn't get to hear everything that Kelly said, so my apologies to you. Kelly, in that regards, I won't be able to speak as intelligently. Not that I ever speak intelligently anyway. Oh, John, you need to stop. (laughs) You do well and you know it. Do do not insult my friend, John. Okay? Don't say bad things about my friend, John. Well, you'll have to introduce him to me first. But anyway, (laughs) I saw that well that we're talking about. But, ha-ha, let me think. Um, You know, as far as that's concerned, like I said, if what Jim and them had said before, you know, it's got to be better than what we have right now. And, you know, as far as what you guys were just talking about in representation, if you call, you know, our congressmen and senators representing you like a pimp represents a prostitute, then, hey, somebody's head screwy. I don't think that's representation, you know. And what was the other thing that you talked about? I forgot. The EIET survey to gauge where candidates are on their awareness of the vulnerability of the electronic election systems. Right. I must have missed that part. Well, let me summarize more quickly. Would you like to know if candidates are aware of the problems with the electronic machines? Um. Generally, yes, but details on how it actually is performed is important. Okay. I could bury people in details. And, by the way, any of you, uh, if you're having trouble falling asleep at 2 in the morning, give me a call, and I'll read it to you from a detailed engineering textbook. Um, <laughs> is that like geometry? But, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's very complicated and evil can be hidden in confusion and complexity. Yeah. So I have to present this in a simple way. How the NRA rates people on the Second Amendment, would you like to see candidates rated on their knowledge of the election system? It comes down to that simple. You know, what, I, you know, I think a lot of folks, you know, a lot of you know, politicians, especially politicians at this time, uh, this point in time, they, I think they think it's just all conspiracy theory stuff. When you know, I think you know, at least us here on the call know that that's uh, that's not the case. Well, when you have, I mean, it's really not. When you have a testimony from someone in California during the primary of sixteen, where they walked in. To the precinct, they'd voted there for years with their sample ballot, and they said, You're not registered. Then, how did I get the sample ballot, lady? <laughs> when people get flipped from precinct to vote by mail, or their vote by mail, and they never got their 
ballot, their mail-in ballot, what's going on. They're removing people from the voter rolls electronically in the voter registration system. When you have testimony, it ain't conspiracy anymore. It's actually going on. When you call the Secretary of State's office, a certain department known as the OVSTA, and they don't know who's looking at the software for registration, then you say, Houston, we have a problem. And the problem is Forrest Gump's driving Apollo 13. (laughs) (laughs) I gotcha. There's got to be a way that we as citizens can do a you know, citizens' arrest or citizens' uh, class action lawsuit to hold these people accountable and to stand up for Trump. Because this perversion of law or what do you want to call legislative and judicial alchemy is is destroying us. Well, yeah. You know, if Congress only has a 12% approval rating or 15, maybe they went up to 16 lately, something's chronically wrong. Could it be the election machines? It's hard to prove. Of course, yes, we could file a lawsuit, and the Supreme Court will say, you cannot look at the computer code because it's intellectual property, patented, trademark, copyright. Sorry, you can't see the mm-hmm. code. And there's a non-disclosure. You cannot look at the code, county election clerk. So then what the heck are these what, – what in the heck are these um, black boxes doing for our election? I mean what's going on inside of that black box? You have a little uh, blue – Blue furred rat hitting the button while the red furred rat is hitting the button. What's going on in these black boxes? We don't know. Exactly. I mean, if, 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 if the blue rat gets more cheese, he's going to hit more vote for the Democrats. And I'm not saying that it's just the Democrats that cheat. Look at Ron Paul in South Carolina. They flipped his vote. They gave his votes to Mitt Romney. He got number two. Of course, Gingrich states, so we got number one. I mean, there is evidence, and the statisticians have mathematical magic and they can figure out something is really wrong here something is really wrong in this race in this county in this precinct why is it in Siskiyou county two of the precincts didn't get their mail-in ballots in the general election what's going on you just delete the names off the registration database and these voting these mail-in voters don't get their ballots this actually happened it's in front page paper where the well, I mean, this this is happening, folks. So, but how well, do we make they, people aware? More one person at a time. Well, more basic than that is if they're telling us that we cannot guarantee integrity throughout the chain, you know, of custody on all of our ballots and our votes, then. How is it they can tell us that they're going to use it, and we can't tell them, no, you can't use it? It invalidates the whole electoral process because we count, too. So you can't use that software, period. The Supreme Court has spoken, John. It's either Reynolds versus Sims or U.S. versus Mosley. Um, not only do you have the right to vote, you have the right to know your vote was counted accurately. Well, how can you know? I mean, in the black box, the blue rat and the and the, and the red rat. What, which buttons are they pushing? We don't know what's going on inside that black box. We have no, no idea. Saying, how can they use that system without us being able to validate the integrity of our stuff? Just because the Supreme Court says something doesn't make it true. Well, they they have a one percent recount in some states. A one percent? That is a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute joke. You have to count. It depends on how close the race is, the number of factors, 7 to 10% to have a 90% confidence level that what you counted by hand is matching the machine. 
And they don't do that. Oh, wait a minute. Why don't we get the ballot images? Because what they do is they take the ballot. And so people say, well, I voted by a paper ballot. Did you know it was scanned and turned into electrons? Oh, yeah. Just like the touch screen turned into electrons, the second a, pal- a ballot is turned, a paper ballot is turned into electrons, it is vulnerable to easy manipulation. Touch screen by hand turned by scanner, it's still electrons. Mail-in ballot scan turned into electrons. Pretty much all the paper ballots are turned into electrons. How do we know they're counted accurately? We don't. Well, what do we do about it? Well, we got to prove what's going on. Now, so John Brakey, we got to get him on the show. He'd be amazing. I met him in person. He's an amazing man in Arizona. He's, we call it the Brakey method. Those of us in the ET, election transparency. Yes, you think ET, you think Bev Harris. She's the mother of the movement at the mothership at ETs. Okay. Election transparency. A little joke when I can. Uh, wonderful lady. I've talked to her. Okay. So, Hacking Democracy. If you have time, HBO, uh, a buddy of mine recently watched it. He's a shock. Okay, fine. I mean, uh, you know, it's not uh, a shock, the kind of shock I got to haul him to the ER room. But he, he's like, I, I had no idea. He's, he's very intelligent. He gets it. Now, he obviously supports what I'm doing. The breaking method, scanned digital images. When the ballots are scanned, it goes into a scanner. It's a, it's a digital image, you know, digital images to see your your cell phone, digital image. You know, if you work with uh, Corel Paint, I'm sorry, Microsoft Paint, it's a graphics program. Okay, so they're turned into graphics, digital graphics. Okay, and then the software looks at the digital graphics, looks for the specific location of a, a filled-in oval. It's all electronic. Well, wait a minute, these scanned images. Who does this? Canon. Canon has a scan image that they it converts paper to Im- digital images. Brakey is in the process of getting these digital images. He was called upon in Alabama, the, the Roy Moore situation. Mm-hmm. And his arguments were simple. Look, the public paid for this. The public should get the digital images. What do you do with the digital images? You take them home. You look on your computer. You can do your own recount. <laughs> it's that simple. Oh, shoot. These <laughs> software vendors didn't plan for this. And they can't hack, hopefully. It's hard for them to hack the Canon scanners. There's other brand name scanners that are used. And anyway, so in Alabama, um, he was called upon for help, even though he's not a a conservative. He cares about our country. He's honest. I trust him. He also ran the Wisconsin recount where they found um, scanners with Wi-Fi remote that you can hack from anywhere in the world because they're connected to cell towers. Anyway, so we go back to – okay, here we go. So – Alabama, okay, file suit, advising the campaign, file suit. Some some citizens filed suit that the digital images are public because the public paid for it, and they have the right to it, and the election clerks cannot destroy these electronic images. The lower court says, good, yeah, we support that idea. The public should have. Do not destroy them. And then ex parte to the Supreme Court of Alabama – the Supreme Court ruled, you know what? The clerks don't have to keep them. They can destroy them if they want to. Really? I mean, I'm you know, call me a simple country bumpkin raised on an Iowa farm, but the public paid for these digital images. They should have the right to them. And you're telling people can erase them. Because when you have the digital images, compared to the results, you will find fraud. It's only a matter of time. You will find fraud. 
Humboldt County, they're already doing this. Public can get the digital images. They don't cheat there. Bernie Sanders in the 16 primary had the highest point spread against Hillary Clinton by 30 points. You can't cheat there. Bernie Sanders creamed Hillary there. Hmm. This is what kind of accountability you need. You know, I can go to Humboldt County, or I can pay money and order by mail. I can get the digital images of the last election. I can do a recount. The powers that be that want to cheat, be it Republican or Democrat, they are scared. They are scared of this because people will go to jail if it's found out through the breaking method of getting the digital images from the scanners, counting it by hand. You know, I so, like that. I remember that. I remember was waiting up late at night on lecture night, watching the people who looking for the hanging chads. Remember that in two thousand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fascinating. I, I mean, here's the thing: it's supposed to be so important, you know, the integrity of our election. But yeah, people want to know, like, oh, well, we got to, we've got to know who our our president is tonight. You know what? I mean, for the right call, I, w- I wouldn't mind waiting a couple days. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it'd be tougher if something like someone like myself will stay up all night to watch no every, returns. Um, but you know what? I mean, if it's if it's worth it, you know, to to, to get you know to to really know <laughs> that's the they won. You know what I mean? I mean, just this just just kind of wondering. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, here's another. Yeah, here's another example of some fraud caught and and mishandling in Sonoma County. At first, Hillary Clinton won, and then the Bernie Sanders folks are doing observers, uh, vote observing, vote watching. They flipped it to Bernie won Sonoma County. Whoa. Had those watchers not been there, maybe Hillary would have won illegitimately. But that's why it's this is so important. And see, it doesn't matter how much – when there's a electronic election fraud going on, okay – when it's going on, it doesn't matter how you voted. It doesn't matter that you brought 100 people to the polls. It doesn't matter all your opinions and what you write and talk shows and all your activism. All of that means nothing. Your love for the Constitution, study of the Constitution, court cases, history, everything that brought beauty and freedom to our country, it means nothing if some hacker can flip votes. Or nullify. Well, that's true too. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. If, if, if all if that work and all money, out. if somebody could just flip a switch, yeah. 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 And, and yeah, and Stalin said it's not the people vote. Let's see. It's not the people. It. How the. It, it, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Stalin. So it's the said, people who count. It's the people who count the vote or something like that. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah. the people that vote that counts. It's the people that count the votes. Uh huh. Right. You know, so we, that's why, yeah, and I'm frustrated and happy at the same time with Jim Conant because, you know, I didn't want to get involved in this. I know more than I ever wanted to know. I've programmed in five computer programming languages, and I'm like, eesh, Jim, you know, when you first discover such evil, you're like, I hate you, and then all of a sudden, all right, let's work together and get it solved. So we have to hack this beast with with, with, uh, with knives, with bliss, that. isn't it? Yeah, with pitchforks, with guns, whatever we got to do in so many different angles. Breaky's doing an awesome job. Bev Harris woke up a lot of people to this. Yeah, I definitely want to have him on. Yeah, we got to get Breaky on. Jim, uh, I'm not sure if they talk, but um, anyway. So, yeah, there, we, there are things. Okay, how do we give 
everyday people tools and how we make it simple. That's what I'm working on. And so, you know, here's here's what I would ask people to consider. I'm not asking for a commitment or any kind of yes today. I'm just asking them to consider. Four simple steps once the survey is done. It's an online survey. You can email to somebody, please take the survey, click here, and there you go. So it's four simple steps. One, learn what we're doing. Just learn what we're doing. Number two, find out who's running in the race, all candidates. Step three, send the email link to all candidates. And number four, follow it up with a phone call. It's that easy. Half hour here, half hour there, and we can make a difference. And hopefully get aware candidates in office. So, what, and you know this is going to come, uh, come up, so, let me, you know, and you may or may not have an, an you know an answer ready for this, but you know what, what what would you let's say they came back and said, well this is just all conspiracy. What would be what you would you know say to them to uh, you know to show them otherwise? And they go, oh well, this is just I'll, conspiracy. I will read comments from an online survey we did in '16. Comments from the people who said something went chronically wrong. One guy, it was so bad. He heard about this removing people from the voter registration or in closed states where you have to be a Republican to vote Republican. You have to be a Democrat to Democrat. You want this Republican candidate. Guess what? Flip the guy over in his registration to Democrat. His vote is null and void. It doesn't work. Or just remove him off the rolls completely. This happened in New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Arizona, Illinois. This is terrible. What's going on? Why am I not registered? All right? And by the way, election justice did the same thing, the same results. Independent, we didn't even know each other was doing this. And so this has been going on with the voter registration software. Okay, fine. One guy in the survey, that's what he said. He said, I heard about this in another state, so I went ahead and checked my registration online. I was registered the day before the election. The day of the election, the morning, I checked it and registered, went out and voted. Checked, my registration was still there. The next morning I got up, I was unregistered. So he vo- Wednesday he's unregistered, Thursday he's unregistered, Friday he's unregistered. He keeps looking. Saturday, Sunday, unregistered. All of a sudden, Monday, he's, re- he's re-registered electronically. They had unregistered him, and he didn't even know it unless he looked. Well, what's that mean? When the electronic vote counting – okay, here's a vote from John Doe. Well, he has to look at the voter registration software. Is John Doe registered to vote because it's illegal to count someone that's not registered? The vote registration software says, no, John Doe is not counted. Back to voter uh, vote counting software. Uh, throw out all his votes because he's not registered. A guy actually commented on this, and there's all sorts of periphery evidence of saying the same thing. What the heck's going on? Well, who would you unregister? Let's see. Oh, let's see a whole bunch of college kids in Berkeley. Why? They're going to vote for Bernie Sanders. That's what happened. How do you find out if they're voting for – well, typically if they're younger, they're not going to vote for Hillary. So, you know, Berkeley College kids, boom, kick them off the voter registration. Okay, how about – how do we find out if somebody middle-aged is going to vote for Bernie Sanders? Well, let's find out from Facebook. Let's just look at their page. I mean literally, and, and with all sorts of software, you can find out pretty quickly if that somebody used the words Bernie, Hander, Bernie Sanders hooray. I'm voting for Bernie Sanders. You, you type in a bunch of software code that infiltrates the database, and you can find out who's voting for Bernie Sanders and who's a Hillary Clinton supporter. Okay, now we have a database. Um, let's say these 500,000 voters. Oh, gee, they're all Bernie Sanders. Okay, throw it 
do the hacking with the voter registration, throw them off the voter roll. Or you flip them into another party. I had a friend, it was his girlfriend, a, a good friend's girlfriend. She got flipped from an independent party into a Democrat. Yeah. I was like, what? Plus, it's in the emails, too. Hillary Clinton emails. <laughs> well, actually, her campaign team. But, um, yeah, so they, they did um, 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 They did a fast one on Bernie. <laughs> the good news is the Bernie Sanders people, because they're burned from 16, they might be running with this, and they might want to know about a candidate's EIET rating. And they, uh, hopefully they'll start spreading these surveys around to all sorts of candidates. Yeah, that's that, you know, that's true. I, I mean, I was just surprised in how how fast uh, you know you know. How, gosh, you can't even talk. Uh, how how fast he just went back, you know, and supported Hillary after knowing what she did to him. You know, I mean, it's like you know, I think Bernie lost a lot of credibility. You know what I mean? Well, there's Bernie insiders were telling me that it's possible. Very likely, and from the bruises on his face, they took him in a room and beat him up. And that's what I heard. And I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, Harry Reid just happened to get in a big fight with his exercise equipment, even though it looked like a mob hit. I mean, you know, I'm just laughing. Um, Robert, you know, what yeah, are you getting fight with, Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's so funny. WikiLeaks email. One at a time. Um, he didn't find out until after. They had given him some story, and and then he found after found out afterwards uh, what they had actually done to bolster to give it to Hillary basically some some of the states. But um, as far as proof for election fraud, there's all kinds of um, you know testimonies, and you have the what is it the black box voting dot org um, that have been tracking it and since what is it 20, 2014, and mm-hmm. so. There's a there's a lot of evidence that you have in your favor to put something like you have in mind forward, and I think a lot of people would agree with it. Uh, a lot of legitimate people. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, well, um, um, Robert, to answer your question, if somebody calls me a conspiracy theorist and all this blah blah blah, I'm going to say I'm going to write back at him. The United States Supreme Court has said we have the right to know our vote was counted accurately. Do you oppose? Election transparency, yes or no? Well, I, uh, I think you're fruitcake. You're not accountable, dude. One of the most important things in our entire republic, and you're not willing to be transparent because you're accusing me. You know, I ain't voting for you. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you can tell I'm a little bit passionate about this. It's almost as if they've already. We need more people to be passionate about it. <laughs> Oh. Was that John adding yeah. something? Yeah, oh, I thought I got through. I guess we were talking on top of each other and didn't hear each other. Um, I was just saying it sounds like he was already adjudicated you in his mind as, you know, guilty. None of this presumption of innocence. You're automatically guilty, and, you know, that's just his perspective. You know, it's like whenever Robert S. That, uh, said just a while ago about, um, what's his name, Bernie Sanders? And then he jumped right on the bandwagon with uh, Hillary Clinton. Well, I mean, if you think about his ideological position and his campaign stuff, 
what other choice did he have other than jump back on that same Democratic platform? He sure, you know, Trump and everybody else on that side were antithetical to his position. So he wouldn't. And you hear this in the national media, too. They're like going, well, how can you vote for Donald Trump when he's a womanizer and he's, a, you know, going out with these prostitutes and stuff? And I said, hey, man, look what you gave us as an option, a baby killer and, you know, a corrupt globalist, you know, and a person that wants to steal our guns and steal our um, fundamental constitutional rights, you can't just ask me if it works in a vacuum. you got to compare it to the other candidate that's up on the stage. Trump had to, you know, be against somebody, and Hillary Clinton just wasn't able to, you know, be justified, in my opinion. Yeah, she is funny. She's definitely the most corrupt politician I've ever seen in the voting, at least in my lifetime, at least. But when the lamestream media always goes, well, how can you vote for your, you know, they're usually referring to, how can you Christians vote for a, um, a womanizing, you know, pervert or whatever? Do you hear these lamestream media people talking about Trump? And I'm like, well, look what the option was that you gave us to vote either for Trump or Hillary. I mean, who's worse? Well, naturally, from my ideological position, is Hillary. So it ain't a matter of how can you vote for Trump because he supposedly is. I'm like, that's all alleged nonsense anyway. You don't have any proof. You never bring anything into, um, you know, like the affidavit for the application for probable cause. What's the doggone material evidence and the relevant evidence that justify even giving him a probable cause? given the person a probable cause warrant to do any investigation, period. And now it's turned into some other kind of investigation where now they're going after everybody that has ever had anything to do with Donald Trump. So we know it wasn't a Russian investigation. It's it's just um, legislative and judicial alchemy. Hmm. I find it interesting that the left is accusing the right of voting for Donald Trump and this whole prostitute thing, whatever. And, like, what about Hillary Clinton and those chocolate-covered cherries? I mean, you know, like, come on, guys. You know, Clinton was obviously a womanizer. I mean, you know, the best thing Hillary Clinton could have done for the country is divorce his ass, saying to the women of America, don't tolerate this this, this terrible behavior. Well, speaking of terrible behavior, it looks like we're going to have to get ready to do our closing comments. Um, (laughs) uh, So I'll get ready to to close things out. I definitely had you know other things uh, we were going to uh, you know talk about, but one of the things here, uh, just to kind of you know give you an idea, and you can find these articles on the Bard's Logic Political Talk uh, website there at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Uh, where you can you know get see the articles. Um, we we talk a lot about you know, you know get informed, read your articles. And one is um, uh, real quick, and then we'll have to take closing thoughts um, for tonight. Is where is that? It's again you can find it, and it's and I'm just going to summarize this. Basically, you know Paul Ryan, uh, you know says plan to stab Americans in the back before he leaves office. Uh, you, you can find that article again on the site as well as uh, the link to, if you'd uh, be kind enough, um, uh, 
doing donations of my campaign, talk about campaigns, uh, to send my daughter to Italy next year. So for folks out there uh, wanting to give or give back, if the phrase kind of goes, uh, you're welcome to check that out on the give page. But anyway, uh, on the article, uh, it said that uh, I'm just going to be real quick. It's not a real long one. I just want to get the real long article. I just want to get it out here for folks. Uh, so we, we definitely want people to be prepared. Um it says uh, outgoing speaker of the House, speaker of the House Paul Ryan isn't leaving office quietly. The globalist lawmaker, of course, this is an opinion piece, but still it does have some information what a plan may be. Uh, the globalist lawmaker from Wisconsin announced a retirement recently after the successful passage of President Trump's widely popular tax uh, reform, but he's not done yet. Ryan has a plan to stab America in the back before he leaves. Before he leaves, how so? Well, by pushing DACA amnesty, of course, and this is from Breitbart, House Speaker Paul Ryan will push his open borders agenda during his last months in Congress, telling the media that he is interested in passing an amnesty for millions of illegal aliens who are enrolled and eligible for the President Obama-created Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, program. Ryan announced this week that he will leave Congress after his current term is up, but now says he will continue pushing for a DACA amnesty despite the exit. In a comment to Fox News' Chad uh, Pergram, Ryan said he would certainly be interested in passing a DACA amnesty before his term ends. For months, while White House staffers like Mark Short, the former executive for the pro-mass immigration anti-Trump Cook brothers, attempted to push a DACA amnesty inside President Trump's administration. Ryan likewise said two months ago that his main focus after passing a budget to keep the federal government open was to pass an amnesty for DACA illegal aliens, of which between 800,000 to 3.5 million would be allowed to permanently stay in the U.S. We will bring a DACA resolution to the floor, Ryan said in February. Uh, and then, so basically, that's, you know, there's more to it, but that's pretty much that in the nutshell. So, Looks like that's going to be his, or at least could be his uh, farewell uh, to the people <laughs> of the United States when he leaves. So anyway, at this point, uh, let's go ahead and take the closing comments from everybody. What we'll do here is we'll go to yourself, John, first, and then we'll go to uh, you, Suzette, and then Kelly, and then I'll have to close things up for tonight. Go ahead, John. Yeah, well, I would look out for uh, Mr. Ryan to, you know, they're working on the what they call the entitlement, Social Security, Welfare, Medicaid, and stuff. You know, even though they take that out of your paycheck all the time, they did an agreement with you. I wouldn't doubt he throws that under the bus on his way out, too. So, therefore, any of you listeners out there, if you know any legal beagles, or you yourself are legal, let's figure out how to do a class action lawsuit to help our president out. He's trying to help us out, and he's had to stumble and make some different choices than what we would like because he's surrounded by the doggone cesspool, you know, crew. And then we need to make sure that uh, we get the word out on, what is it, openlettertodonaldtrump.com, you know, let President Trump know about that as well as the vice president and call and let me ask you Kelly does, does that include a lot of these things that you've been talking about as far as updates that Jim would talk about too to uh, be a good thing to let people know about 
Back to you. That's uh, Jim Cohen that's uploaded Donald Trump. Yeah, well, that's, that's a decent site. You can go that way if you want to. Um, you can always write the White House. You're, cut, you're mumbly. I can't make out what you're saying. You can always write the White House also. You know, open little letter to Donald Trump. Yeah, you can go there and do some things. Um, so, yeah, the uh, Jim's challenge with that is the promotion. He's He's not good at uh, marketing as much as I would like him to be. Um so, but yeah, you can you can try that. I was saying, call President Trump. You know, two zero two four five six one 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 one, or yeah, I think that one four one four. I don't remember the number right off the top of my head. And let him know, hey, call and check out open letter to Donald Trump dot com and President and Vice President Pence. Yeah. Yeah, that would Certainly. be a good way to do it. You can also go to the site, and you can also leave a message for him as well. Um, to get, you know, besides the phone call to make sure. So it's good to double up. Well, I think that's a good uh, (laughs) time for yourself, Suzette, for your final comments. Or are those your final comments? You've got a few minutes for for them. Well, I think, well, Paul Ryan never wanted the job to begin with. He kind of took it almost begrudgingly at first and was ineffective because of that, I think. He never really settled into the position. Um, the man is, I would consider, a bean counter um, and not a negotiator or um, a person that's really, <laughs> when he was running with Romney, I thought, oh, good grief, here we go. This guy has no charisma whatsoever. He's not outspoken. And you have to be the smoozer, the negotiator, the guy that works with people to make things happen. Um, you know, you got to give a little to, to get a little or give a little to get a lot. And he just was not the man for the job. So well, good goodbye, Paul Ryan. Have a good life. And thank you for your service. Next. <laughs> well, Kelly, uh, yeah, there you go. And, and actually, that's you know, one of the things I wanted to bring up and we talked about briefly, we don't got a lot of time for it, is you know, check out and maybe uh, – Send some some messages ways if you know while you're reaching out to Trump and and, and perhaps uh, maybe he can kind of you know put some support behind Jim Jordan. I think he would be a better uh, he, yeah maybe a better pick. Uh, Love him to be the Love speaker him. of the House uh, than uh, than McCarthy. Either or that'll work. Preferably Jim Jordan. <laughs> Jimmy baby. Yeah, I definitely would prefer him over McCarthy. Uh, go ahead, Kelly. And then I'll have to close things out, well, unfortunately. Well, babyface Nelson, I mean, uh, babyface Ryan, I mean, Paul Ryan. Oh, sorry, I did that. Is there, is there a difference? Um, anyway, okay. Um, I will give an applause to Paul Ryan for his service to the American people. Clap, clap, clap. Okay. Um <laughs> okay, but I will say a little bit in a different opinion than Suzette there. A little different opinion is that uh, during the debates, watching him, listening to him, he was the most affluent and most articulate candidate. And for that reason, I can understand why they made him speaker. I just wonder about his relationship to Babyface Nelson, Mr. Babyface Ryan. Gosh, I got him confused again. All right. Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, next and uh, so, yeah, many topics. I'm sorry I got on a little late. I was having dinner with a friend. 
and uh, he, uh, and we, he's a really neat, amazing guy. Um, but uh, yeah, so many topics, and I guess we're gonna solve the world problems all over again next Wednesday. And of course, I enjoy. Sounds good. Or at least attempt to, or and offer some solutions. Appreciate everyone coming back. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you again next week. Uh, definitely uh, share out the link for other folks can listen to our show and uh, join us as well. And of course, uh, visit the Bard's Logic website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. And uh, we'll end tonight as I do every night. And that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. Take care, folks. We'll see you next time, and good night. Mm-hmm.